welcome to Headcanon Season 5, Episode 2. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. What and up? We, we are joined today by a special guest. Hello. Introduce yourself. Hi. My name's Kayla. <laughs> Our intros are all so smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you feel very welcomed back? <laughs> Was Empire Records our last one, or was it Can't Hardly Wait? Can't Hardly Wait. I was, can't, I, was, I was thinking a lot about Empire Records while watching this movie, High Fidelity, which we'll be talking Same. about today, because there's a lot of similarities. I was just laughing. I'm still laughing because I was telling Kayla about Servant. So there's now two people in the world who watch this show. And she was like, what was Lauren Ambrose in? And I was like, can't hardly wait. <laughs> okay, I didn't I didn't ask. I was saying that I remember her from Six Feet Under, and my mind went there first instead of can't hardly wait because the, the tone was much more similar to Six mm-hmm. Feet Under. Mm-hmm. So She's not I having forget. sex with Seth Green in the bathroom. <laughs> no, not yet anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he could make a cameo. We never know. I suppose Weasley, he's a little Seth Green-ish. He's but they're brother. brother and sister. Yeah. Oh, are they? So, so okay. yeah. that would get in the way of him walking in, pouring a drink and saying, all right, how much? <laughs> I do really like his character, though. It's uh, an interesting one. I'm never going to see that fucking old beach movie, but uh, I'll watch the fuck out of Servant. Yeah, I'm living an old beach movie, you know, rapid aging. I don't I don't need to I don't need to see it. It's already a horror is it just like is it a commentary on like uh, UV radiation? That's bad for your skin. Or old, old yeah. Mm-hmm. Or our trying to make a joke. Cultures. Yeah, yeah, I don't sorry. know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I see we'll be talking about high fidelity today, the uh year 2000 John Cusack relationship movie. Not exactly. Basically uh basically a 90s movie that we 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 grabbed it, it, it into our 90s. It definitely feels like it belongs in the 90s, yeah. Yeah. It was probably filmed in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. There it you was, go. I think it came out in, what, May 2000? So. Mm-hmm. Before the Towers. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a pre-9-11 movie. Uh, before we talk about High Fidelity, though, what are you guys watching besides Servant? Yeah. Um, so I've been mostly rewatching shows. I haven't seen anything new, I think, except for Servant, but... Um, I did watch some movies to kind of get um, in the mood. Well, before I did that, I was watching rewatching the Fear Street trilogy. Really love it. It's a lot of fun, and it's um, it very it really much knows itself and its campiness, and I appreciate that about it. Um, but to get in the mood for this movie and you know the relationship feel, um, I watched Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and uh, Closer, which isn't wow. exactly a romance. You know, oh, it is to me. I mean, it's about romance, but I don't know that it's romantic. This isn't a love story. It's a story about love. <laughs> Dude, that's what I exactly. should watch. Yeah. All yeah. right, Marco, what are you watching? Um, shit. The closest thing I've watched to like a TV show is has uh, been giving the gift of Ted Lasso to other people. And I don't know how I didn't realize it before that Ted Lasso's wife is um, Kate's mother on Cruel Summer. Oh, really? Interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just kept waiting for her to be like, now, come on, Ted. You, the reason we don't go to fight very often, so we're not very good at it, you know? <laughs> Isn't she like, like an ex-wife on that show or something? Well, spoiler for halfway through the season. Oh, really? But okay. uh, um, yeah, she. It's the, it's, uh, the first season is all about like divorce, I guess. 
roughly. But uh, I was like, oh my fucking God, it's what's her name? It's Rod Wallace's wife. <laughs> and also Joey Tribbiani's wife. Um, yeah, so that, and then I went to see The Green Knight yesterday. Which is something, man. It's enjoy that. I've heard it's long. It's very long. The movie needed to be 20% more compelling for how fucking weird it is. Yeah. What's that one about again? It's, it's about Gawain the Green Knight, I assume. Yeah, it's based on the epic medieval poem. Oh, it's one with um, Dev Patel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is about people wanting to fuck Dev Patel. Everyone in that movie wants to fuck is there, Dev Patel. Is, like, is Arthur in it? Yeah. Okay. He's the guy who, the villain in the last two Mission Impossible movies. Oh, that guy? Yeah, guy. Okay. Yeah, like Sean, Sean Harris. Yeah. Sean Harris, who looks like Vigo Mortensen if he had a disease that was killing him. Does he have the weird beard in that? Like he did? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He's long hair and he's got oh, the raspy voice. He talks like this. Hmm. Interesting. Ooh. So it's like old Arthur. Old Arthur. Old Guinevere. Like Guinevere is. Type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cat, Catelyn Stark's sister is Guinevere. Ooh. Yeah. Arya? No, Catelyn um, Stark's sister. The woman who was breastfeeding oh, right. uh, little little Robert Aaron when he was like 12. Oh. Yeah. You don't fight with honor. He did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was me and, I don't know, six other people in that theater, including the guy who brought his two young children and sat in the row in front of me. It's like, what the oh, fuck? It's a, it's a King Arthur movie. I'll go see it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so is I, that, I think the guy wanted to see the movie and he's like, fuck, I'm stuck with the kids. Is that your first movie you've seen in the theater? It is my second. Your second. What was your first? Black Widow. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, watch that one at home. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what am I watching? Not much. Just slowly making my way through The Witcher, which unfortunately does not really hold up on second viewing for me. I've oh. like I just watched this the second to last episode and it was like pretty cringe inducing. I was just like, what are they doing? I don't know. Well, in what way? Maybe it's just because I'm rereading the books right now, so I'm very much you know recently familiar with the source material. But I'm just like, I don't know, oh. and, and just like shaking my head, being like, why did you make that decision? It makes oh, me. Yeah. I know. I know they get a lot of hate, but it does make me appreciate what Benny and Benny often wise were able to do with Game of Thrones when they're adapting the material because. I don't know. There's so many ways you can do it wrong. And I'd say they mostly did it right. At least uh, when they had material to adapt. Kind of like True Blood that really veered um, off course from its source material. Who are people really like going hard for those books, though? I mean, I read them all. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people read them all. I mean, I I feel like it it seemed like that show was going to be like very different from from what I perceive those books to be about. They weren't as horny, I assume. Right? I mean, there was still some. At some what point to it, but... did Bill the Vampire twist a woman's head around to have sex with her? I don't even know if that happened in the book. It's been Which so long. Still the horniest, weirdest fucking thing I've seen on a TV show <laughs> ever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 something. I try to remember that, like, well, it's, you know, it's a TV show, it's an adaptation, and they can't just do the source material exactly. But there are times when I'm just like, why did you do that when like this here in the book just seems like you could pull this right off the page and it would be better? You know, like it's, mm. I don't know. Sometimes the, the decisions that writers make, it's like, mm, yeah, I don't, you're maybe take another pass. So is you rewatching the show like in line with where you are and rereading the books? 
No, I'm I'm like way ahead in the books now. I'm on like okay. book three of the series. Wow, so, you really plowing along. Yeah, you're just shooting through. Yeah, like you said, it may not help that you're um, reading and watching at the same time. It's it's too easy to compare. You know, easier when there's a little bit of distance. Yeah, but oh well. Uh, what are you guys listening to right now? Um, I'm listening to playlists on Spotify. One I when I made when um, a few years ago stayed in Oregon on this uh, this house on the river, and I just kind of made a playlist that we could listen to. Just you know, some favorite songs, mostly classic rock. And uh, I found another another um, '90s alternative playlist. So just you know, living in nostalgia. Nice. Rogue River podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing new. <laughs> uh, I'm not listening to much. I guess I found the few like mixes in quotes he said that I made an iTunes for, for people or myself over the years and it felt mm-hmm. inspired of this movie. Were you like inspired by High Fidelity to go revisit some of your awesome mixtapes? Oh. My top five awesome mixtapes. No, um, we should we should all go look up like a a, a mixtape we made for someone long ago. Oh yeah, see what's on it. Um, I'm pretty sure I have those CDs in storage. Actually, <laughs> I was gonna say this movie. Not to talk about not to jump into this movie. This movie made mixtapes or whatever you want to equivalent of that for CDs or whatever technology cool. And then that Zach Braff movie with Rachel Bilson fucking killed it dead. I think that was like four years later though. Yeah. Last Still. kiss, yeah. That was we had a nice, sweet, beautiful four-year period where making a mix was, was, you know, someone else's poetry or whatever. It was fucking cool. Wasn't she like in high school in that movie? I don't remember. I think she was in like a freshman in college. I think okay. I might be generous to that fucking stupid, shitty movie. I thankfully didn't see it. Oh, it's trash. Mark is a huge Zach Braff fan. Nope. I can nope. tell. Loves him. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Gonna get you a, a cameo from him for your next birthday. It probably costs nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what what if I got it for you, but Florence Pugh is also in it? Like, how would you feel? Is she like that? cookie in the background? Then yeah. fuck yes, okay. I'd kiss you on the mouth. <laughs> uh, what I've been listening to? Not a whole lot. New churches. There's like a new Third Eye Blind single I listen to on iTunes. It's nice. It's it exists. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not much other than that. I praise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hey, Dave, Rolling Stone reviews. It exists. <laughs> <laughs> I just went and looked at a, a mixtape I made for somebody back in probably like 2007. And the, the first track is uh, Louis the Fourteenth by Louis the Fourteenth. Oh, nice. So I was feeling bold, apparently. I, that I have on record. Mine only go... Oh, I got one from 2011. Oof. Nope, I'm not going to report on these. No. Nope. No. Nope. Come on. Noping out of this segment. worse than mine when I was in high school in like the mid aughts. Remember that music? That was the music I used for mine. So yours probably can't be that bad. You're, tr- you're, you're exactly right. You lived in a truly desolate time of music. Oh, emo. So much emo. Uh, big fan. I'll, I'll get to the rest of mine later. But uh, Ooh, that what, could be a thing where every like twenty minutes you just, drop, just drop in one. track yeah. five. <laughs> uh, what are we reading? Obviously, I'm rereading the Witcher series. I'm on book three. It's the one where like there's kind of a quasi like fellowship. I don't know. It's fun. It's it's 
tropey and, and at the same time like kind of like deconstructing the tropes at the same time but you know you've got you've got the witcher you've got like a cool like hunter chick who's like an awesome archer you've got a dwarf you've got a bard and you've got like uh like a guy who's like he's very weird he's like this old mysterious wise guy and it's like you figure out eventually he's a vampire but he's like a kindly one i don't know it's, it's just like a fun little tropey mix of fantasy stuff hmm. Hmm. sounds really cool I don't know why the uh, I'm amused by the way that you put emphasis on. You got a dwarf, <laughs> like, I mean, like it's, a it's step like on for, your team. For fantasy. I mean the the one the the archer. She's not technically an elf. I don't think she might be like a half elf. I can't remember, but you know. Hmm. I just I felt like, like <laughs> Stefan was going to tell us the hottest new tropes in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know there's a Jewish vampire? Like it's it's a kind of book where there's just like a scene where like they when they meet the vampire guy they don't know he's a vampire yet and he's like oh I've been brewing this like mandrake moonshine but like because of the war I'm not gonna be able to take it to market to to sell it so let's just drink it all and it's just like a a whole long chapter of them like they just keep getting more and more drunk and like talking shit to each other and I don't know it's fun Hmm. at night though oh of course yeah that is fun I've done that made some made some moonshine. Nice. Sat around, shot the shit. All right, what are you uh, reading, Kayla? Um, so I started reading High Fidelity by Nick Hornby, uh, the source material for the movie. Due to uh, time constraints, I didn't get to finish it. I got you know just a little bit, a little bit in there. I got like I think on number three. Who in the? Um, I think it's the same as the movie. It's well, the name is Jackie Allen in the book, but Jackie Alden in the movie either way that's about as far as i got so okay yeah never read high fidelity i did read about a boy though although i did not see the movie i mistakenly was talking about this the other day and i was i mistakenly said that it was high fidelity by Irvin welsh which mm-hmm. was in my mind suddenly in my mind i was like oh that's a much different book <laughs> here's my top five list you cuts <laughs> Uh, I finished The Touch of Jen, which I was reading last week, and it was real fucked up, man. I enjoyed it. Far out. Nice. Yeah, end of review. All right. Well, I think it's time <laughs> to talk about High Fidelity, the movie. Yeah, it is. Starring John Cusack. In, I don't know. I was In my mind, I'm like, this is probably like his like most well-known role. But then I looked, and like this movie didn't even do that well at the box office. So I'm not sure how many people think of this movie and they think of John Cusack. I suppose they probably mostly think of him from the 80s. I, uh, do you remember how great copy on the back of VHS and DVDs was? Mm-hmm. I happen to have the DVD. Oh. It is fucking hilarious. Um, it starts with one of those, from the guys who brought you gross point blank. <laughs> um, this thing has got so many bad musical puns. Like uh, His needle skips the lo- love groove. Mm. Um, oh. Sounds kind of kinky. And it ends with, for a rock and fun time, give Hypedelia a spin. It's sure to make your all-time top five lister comedies with a bullet. I feel like whoever wrote this, their soul then left their body. I feel like they just had a lot of fun with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One draft, done, send. Maybe they had a, um, a deadline they had to meet for how many musical puns they had to get in there. Yeah, so just yeah. threw it in every sentence, you know, mm-hmm. just be safe. I have the DVD too, but um, unfortunately, I don't have a DVD player and my DVD drive doesn't work. So it's a coaster. You just meditated yeah. on it as an artifact of a bygone. Yeah. Hand. 
I was excited for the commentary and deleted scenes and stuff, but alas. Yeah, which is the deleted scenes. Um, there's the one where he's like buying the the records from like the Beverly Dance Divorce, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Harold Ramis, yeah. I know, like I've absorbed the entire contents of this DVD, like probably when I first got it 21 years ago, which is how old the movie is. The movie's not old enough to drink. Anyway, um, Mark, I want you to hit us with your opening statement. Uh, I don't have much of one. Uh, this is a better movie about a love of music and a life built around that love than it is a relationship movie. A movie. I. Um, this is very weird. Like this, the way this movie exists in my mind and watching it now, and like. I kind of think Rob Gordon's a huge asshole, but I still love John Cusack. But I feel like there's a weird film festival that you could program that features Empire Records and maybe even You've Got Mail on the marquee. And then this movie's in there too. Um, But yeah, like I feel like this movie... I don't know. We were talking last week about how Gross Point Blank kind of informed or was like a starting gun for certain things and our perception of what adulthood should look like. I feel like this movie just kind of told me that some of my attitudes towards things were okay. Especially when it came to music and being a snob and that kind of, I don't know, I hate to say like kind of gatekeepy authenticity. I think that was a big word in the nineties that we were, we were humping around was authenticity, but I just rewatching this. I felt like the movie is not so much a movie about growing up and maturing as it is a film about getting old and being tired and then adopting that into your journey. Uh, you've got the meta thing where the main character like talks directly to the audience, breaking the fourth wall, directly inspired by Alfie. And it works because it's John Cusack. Um, anyway, so I enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of a movie that you could really uh, poke some holes into. But I think it's important to know that both uh, James Taylor and possibly even Marcus Marks, Marco Sparks, who are mentioned in this movie, make cameos. So, so in a way, yeah. All right. Uh, Kayla, do you want to go? Sure. Um, had a slightly different take on this movie it might be nostalgia <laughs> i love it cool. um a lot um it, like you said it does have its weak points you can close holes in it and you know i watched it a few times before um you know taking notes and everything and like the more i watched it the more i liked it mm. um especially when i first saw it i was in high school so you know it's different watching it now um many years later so um Really enjoyed it on a different level. And I have kind of a long opening statement, but I'll try to no, no, <laughs> keep it. it short and sweet. No, please. Um, only John Cusack could portray Rob Gordon. And for me, it's one of uh, my favorite roles that he, that he plays. Um, admiration and raw attraction I have for him aside. Um, he really embodies the type of male character who is, of course, at times problematic, but it's still an honest and realistic depiction. Um, Love the um, the role and impact of music in the movie. It's a huge part of it. Um, also, the romantic existential crisis is relatable, realizing that you're a common denominator in all of your past-field relationships. Um, that's super fun to figure out in adulthood. Um, we get to witness self-involved Rob go on a journey of realization and maturity, and then finally at the very, very, very end, arriving at a cathartic conclusion. Um, one of the main recurring themes is uh, fantasy versus reality and its effect that it has on ourselves and others and um, just our overall views and perspectives. Um, sorry, I'm really trying to shorten this up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of sheds like a, like a bright light on some of the um, darker spots of relationships, just that really honest and vulnerable place, you know, say what you will about um Rob and Laura, but 
they're at least, you know, honest and vulnerable with each other. And I think that was cool to see and explore. And um, again, just John Cusack killing it. I, let me just jump back into part two of mine. Just to say, I feel like I went back to this movie a lot over the years. Like if a relationship ended or something went sour, like there's definitely a, I don't know. This, it, it felt like at times for me, like in my mind, it kind of inhabited like spot of like, this is a certain kind of bar that I'm, I'm really in the mood to drink at at a few times. Um, and I, I kind of love the, uh, like you mentioned the intimacy between Rob and Laura, the negotiation period after a breakup where it's like, you might just backslide. And sometimes well, and it's a little have- hostile and sometimes it's sweet and familiar. And sometimes it's just begging straight up begging. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I would say I, I think this is a, a good movie about relationships, maybe not a movie about a good relationship. Um, I don't know. I, I to, to detour slightly, I remember when I walked out of the theater after seeing 500 Days of Summer nine years later, thinking, I wish I'd seen this movie as a 19 year old first instead of High Fidelity, because I do feel like that movie maybe gets to the heart of things a little more like I, I feel like Rob kind of gets let off easy in this movie. Um, not that I still don't just really enjoy it. I love this movie. Um, Note that we're both nodding our heads vigorously. <laughs> yeah. Like on, I actually, I actually probably have not watched this movie in like over a decade at least, but like on rewatch now it did kind of stand out more to me that I'm like, man, Rob's kind of an asshole. Like I, I feel like I probably like gave him more slack before. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of wish he had a little bit more of a breakthrough as a person. Um, other than just kind of deciding that he's you know tired of fantasies and willing to settle basically um but i just man all the music snob stuff in this i love it's like it's so captures that era it's like I, I just i had those conversations with friends in college and like stupid arguments about musicianship and shit like that i don't know it's, it's all like so familiar to me um jack black just steals every single scene he's in he's just like a live wire through this whole movie laura with her like weird like danish but flat american accent like it's such a weird choice but it works for me somehow i don't know maybe it doesn't work for marco he's shaking his head but um i don't know maybe we can talk about who else we'd cast there i was looking at movies of that era and who you might cast and it is kind of thin but um i don't know laura seems she's so different that she seems more real i guess and if it was say like cameron diaz or someone um rob (laughs) seems so good at reading other people but somehow isn't quite self-aware enough to to kind of read himself fairly tim robbins this entire presence in this movie is just absolutely amazing incredible and hilarious he's it's like he knows exactly what he's doing in the movie and having such a fun time doing it um and ultimately this movie it's like a prequel to pitchfork.com you know but i i had just had so much pleasant nostalgia for that whole era in statement it's the Tim Robbins trivia that makes the trivia section on IMDb. <laughs> I think I think we both picked that one oh, yeah. for our best IMDb trivia. Yeah. This is like really um, like a, a the end of like a roles that Jack Black took that I fucking hated him in. Like he's the guy that he was always a part of a movie I fucking hated. Well, he was. And this um, is where he was on like he like he's the he was worst like, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you exactly. did last summer. Yeah, it's like the exactly. stoned gardener or whatever. But then this was like the cusp of like, hey, I might actually be great. And relatable in certain roles and a little bit raunchy too. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of admiration and raw attraction, I have Jack Black's on there too. So I get real lucky <laughs> in this movie. Everyone just pause this podcast and put on the greatest tenacious D track of all time. Fucker gently. He's just like like note perfect in every single scene in this movie. Like every time he's on screen, it's hilarious. He's so 
weirdly earnest mm-hmm. in certain scenes. Like, well, then I would call you a fucking liar because I know you've seen it twice. <laughs> just uh, not getting it. I always was trying to connect correct Dick, and then like at one point, Rob's just like, "No, Dick is right, right." You know, it's this. And he's like, "Okay, well, whatever." <laughs> There's something about Dick that I fucking despise too. I, somehow I knew you'd say that. Like, the, like I'm sure he's Dick's just not your perfectly. He's like a perfectly sweet guy, but it's like I will throttle you for being this this one cell pathetic. Well, it does take him a really long time to get to a point, you know. It's yeah. the kind of person you have to have real patience and love for. Mm-hmm. I love know? the the scene where he's over at Rob's house and like Rob has just gotten a phone call and and Dick is like, "Well, if you want, I could hang out and help you organize." And then Rob just goes, "See you tomorrow, Dick." Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. "Be gone." <laughs> Banish the Eeyore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So this movie just has a lovely opening image. It's like the light shining in the grooves of the vinyl and movement. These guys are really into their headphones and their their consoles here. They're, they're like big giant receivers. Oh yeah. Just this idea that like I'm just gonna sit in my fucking chair and listen to music, and that's the only way music can. But it's like music exist. is so serious to them that like they have a special chair right next to their big expensive music amp. You know, with their special headphones on, they just well, feel the music. Question the first. Laura comes back to get her shit like two or three times in this movie. What in that apartment is yours, Laura? That thing is wall-to-wall vinyl shelves. Did you notice in the first first shot, she had some of her shit in a trash bag? Like, yeah. that yeah, felt yeah. very real. Yeah. You know, the first trip, just getting the fuck out of there. Well, you know what got me was that never once does she take, like, when she takes her stuff, she never once takes a vinyl record. Yeah. So it's all his records. That seems so fucking sad to me. Like go go back to Westworld, Laura. I mean, has she got to the point where she just wants nothing to do with anything music at that point? <laughs> I, I, I the movie kind of portrays her as having almost no personality at times. Yeah, it's it's that she grew up and she got an adult job, which that's great. That's a great point. But other than that, the that most she, she ever the, her, really tells her us, great idea about dance music for old people. Well, that and that you know, one time she said, "Hey, that's a kick-ass record." It's like that's. That's the extent of Laura's agency. She had pink hair at one point. I I feel like saying that's a kick-ass record is really not about the music, though. She's just kind of opening a conversation with the DJ there, you know? Oh, yeah. That's definitely a starter. Can you imagine just looking over at your grungy, like, dirty dance club and being like, oh, fuck, John Cusack's the DJ tonight. Oh, shit. Um, I mean, I'd probably throw on myself... <laughs> in a more embarrassing way that Laura did. Would you walk lie. over and say that's a kick-ass record? I'd probably say something to compliment his uh, his spinning. <laughs> I, you know, I'll be honest. I cannot take DJs seriously. I just, I don't know. I, sorry, sorry, DJs. <laughs> just hit play on the next track. I don't this, know. What do I need you for? To clarify, this is John Cusack yeah, as a that's DJ. True, yeah. Just, just for my point. <laughs> I can't wait to find out how many of our audience members are DJs. This is before the innovation of uh, dropping the bass, though. You know, I don't think that that had been invented yet. I don't think so. House music was uh, different back then. Well, yeah. so maybe it does have the the thing where you'll see this in movies where it's like there's like a book that's supposed to be like geniusly written, like a fake book or something like that. Or in this case, it's like music that's supposed to sound really good. And like the actors are all telling us it sounds great, but like the the mixtape of like the skaters later in the movie, they're like, This is amazing. And I'm just like, Is it? Is it? Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> or like uh, Lisa Bonet's like singing. There's like, oh, I always hated this song until she sang it. I'm like, well, her version's not bad. It's fine, but yeah. Also, I mean, because it's Lisa. Yeah, I think it's just like yeah. she's hot. And so, like, yeah, you're like, sure, I was going to say, great. Is she, does she sound better than Peter Frampton? Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. Of course she does. I just love I that. a stupid guitar. When he stops and talks to the guy who may or may not be a doorman, he's just like, is that Peter fucking Frampton? <laughs> It just made me think of the man. I've had a hard day, and I just fucking hate the Eagles. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ask you both: what came first, the music or the misery? Well, let me hit you with that track two of this mixtape: "Read My Mind" by the Killers on Samstown. <sighs> That's yeah. a good one. Was I trying to say something? I put in a song, literally saying "Read My Mind" on the mixtape. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, it seems pretty coded. It's hard mm-hmm. to tell. Oof. Uh, I think a, a real fun podcast would be for you to go track by track on your mixtapes mm-hmm. and say what you were actually fucking thinking. See, when I you don't put those remember anymore, there. though, you know? Mm. Mm. What, you doubt me? I do. Like, I, I do not know why I put Louis XIV as the first song on here. Oh, geez, this is... You, were, so you weren't going deep. This wasn't like a music lover's mixtape. This was like, uh, these are bands on the radio. Wow, okay. Right? No, no. I, I I think as I look at this list, it was like a little bit trying to impress with like, you know, my varied tastes. I think. I don't know. Can I ask mm-hmm. what was the nature of the relationship with the person receiving this okay. mixtape? Just a friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But yes, what came first, the music or the misery? Uh, fun little monologue here about uh, people worry about like, you know, guns and you know gangs and whatnot uh watching violent videos nobody worries about uh you know just the thousands literally thousands of uh songs about heartbreak rejection pain misery and loss did i listen to pop music because i was miserable or was i miserable because i listened to pop music that was pretty much taken straight out of the book too like Mm. the whole kind of first section at least as far as i got um a lot of it is word for word um and i really um forget who said it earlier, but I like the breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera, because this is about him and his perspective. And he's a very self-involved character. So I think it works for that reason. And also to include all those little bits and pieces from the book, because I think it's a really good monologue. Mm-hmm. John Cusack hated the idea. Really? Right. He wanted less of himself in the movie and not more. <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, 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 the, the quote I saw from Nick Hornby was like, after he saw the movie, he was like, it would appear that John Cusack read my book in a few chapters. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do we think of John Cusack's hair in this movie? It almost looks like a 60s mop top in it's some like kind some of center points. part thing. Yeah. For me, it's the back. Like um, there's a shot of him from the back and he's kind of shaking his head and it all kind of like moves at the same time. That's what makes me think of a mop top. Like he's going to I be love like, the flashbacks. I don't know, Ringo. Maybe they won't be in the band. Yeah. I do love his flashback hair though. Uh, there's some really interesting styles that he has. And I like that they did that. They included different, you know. My favorite one is definitely when he has like the Bruce Springsteen bandana like, on his head. Like that, that just is perfect to me. I, I believe that one of the social media platforms that I'm too old for, and most people are actually too old for, like had a whole thing a few months ago about how people should be only doing the center part hard disagree is that a tiktok thing 
Yeah, like oh, heart think, that's um, that's a Gen Z thing. Mm, yeah, the Zoomers about anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're also trying to bring back uh, early two thousands fashion. I that should have died. But like, you know? like those uh, like weird like like lace back halter tops and stuff like that. Oh my god, low rise jeans, mm-hmm. belts on belts on belts, like that. They they love it. They think it's you know super nostalgic and what super cool. They didn't the have thing... to live through the horror of low rise jeans. So what, no what about really the like thing it. where you're wearing a t shirt but you have like just a tie tied over it? That's Avril, like, yeah. But it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. But I mean, it's you know they say fashion works in like twenty year uh, cycles. cycles yeah. So yeah, I guess. I guess this early, early 2000s have come back now. Ugh. It's a rough time. Yeah, so it new is. metal. Yeah. When, when, uh, oh my God. Just like if you look at the track listing, well, first of all, let's take like a random movie trilogy Scream. Mm-hmm. No soundtrack album for the first movie. Pretty good track list for the second movie. Third movie, shitty, shitty, shitty new metal. Shitty. Like Creed is like the poppiest on there. Oh. Oh, well, speaking of new metal, this this movie comes Stained. out right in the heart of new metal, you know, popularity, and it's all like indie rock. It's like you; these guys would definitely have hated new metal, you know, if they yeah. if they yeah. bothered to mention. Oh it. yeah, that's why they're going to sell three copies of the beta pens. Mm-hmm. Five copies sure. of the three EPs. Sorry. Um, yeah, so music goes off because they've broken up, and Laura's getting the fuck out of there. Uh, this place is huge. What is the rent on this apartment? Well, he has to take a train to get there, so it seems like it might be a ways from wherever his record store is. Which, uh, if we knew anything about Chicago, I mean, there's the street signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the most I know about Chicago is from Shameless, and that was in a very specific neighborhood. So, Marco and I were there for in a day in Chicago, right, day and a night. Mm-hmm. But we were like in the like the most touristy, like what do they call it, like Miracle Mile, like downtown place ever. So, yeah, probably not much of the the real experience of chicago we didn't write any that at one point in the movie Mm because you can see the i think it's the river and the high rises behind him so there's like a boat tour like it's an architectural tour via boat down the river there it's it's fun cool yeah i had a uh, hot chocolate with booze in it that they sold me that sounds good right now um yeah so just at the start of my notes here i just wrote i don't see this relationship lasting (laughs) like like as it stands now or at the end of the movie? <laughs> Take your pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is going to get confused. This could be a long podcast. Do you get that energy? Do you feel that, guys? Do you feel it? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have Ra- me on here. I talk a lot. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> Ra- I mean, also, we're two minutes into the actual movie and mm-hmm. I feel like we're two minutes into our recording. Um, Rob's top five breakups. I just want to get the names out there because we're never going to get them correct again. Allison Ashmore, Penny Hardwick, Jackie Oldman, Aldman. Charlie, Charlie Nicholson and Sarah Kendrew. And then just the, uh, those are the ones that really hurt. Can you see your name on that list, Laura? <laughs> well, and then just the, the, the extraness to run to the window, open it up and yell down at her. If you really wanted to mess me up, you should have gotten to me earlier. Like just thinking about that from Laura's perspective, like what the fuck? Jesus Christ. You know, like, yeah. Cause... I thought you were drinking straight from the bottle of wine there. Oh no, it's just a giant water bottle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, fucking, I don't know. Like, uh, there's parts of Rob's attitude that like, I don't totally love, but like, there's a, I don't know, there's like a pain and a lashing out that I, I fucking get. Also, he seemed like a neighbor from hell. <laughs> oh, he jacks the music up. Yeah. Well, he, he does have those headphones at least, you know, probably plugs 
accident when he wants to listen really loud. But yeah, the, the screaming from the window, that's probably much more of a nuisance. Not the first time he's opened up that window and yelled down to the street. He knows that's going to work. <laughs> he's fucking Oswald up there with his his jabs. Yeah. Um, we get the, our first flashback to Allison Ashmore here. Uh, this is, I can't remember what grade he's in here. Uh, he's 14, so... Okay. You know, eighth grade. Yeah, suddenly girls are everywhere. They've grown breasts. And he makes out with this chick for two hours, for three days for the Rockford Files. And then on the fourth day, she's making out with Kenny Bannister or Kevin Bannister. Thank God that he uh, broke it off to go watch Rockford Files. It's a great show. Also, who is this junior Larry Bird little kid that she's making out with? (laughs) He looks kind of familiar, too, weirdly. Like, yeah, I like I I didn't look it up. You know him as an as an adult, but he looks kind of familiar. His face. You want something shocking in the familiar department here? Sure. Oh, I wonder if little we're the same. little Rob is played by that child endangerer Drake Bell from Drake and Josh. Oh yeah, I have that on my list. Oof. Oh, what a creepy piece of shit! Yeah, what a fucking gross piece of shit. Um, yeah, so this little kid next to him calls young Alice Nashmore a slut. I, in my my notes, I just wrote, "Is this young Jeremy Piven?" <laughs> <laughs> Very uh. Very with the times, both when this movie came out and also I'm sure when that mm. happened in the story. But uh, yeah, Rob tells us that all his romantic stories are a scrambled version of this first one, which I feel like is basically admitting to having major issues of women since you're 14 years old. Well, and also it's not true. Like he, he eventually sort of realizes it later. Like, oh, wait, I dumped Penny at uh, Hardwick. Like she didn't dump me. But like in his mind, he's definitely applying that framework to all his relationships. Mm-hmm. Again, fantasy versus reality. Mm-hmm. The narrative we create for ourselves versus what actually happened and who people actually are. It's almost a conservative mindset of, of I'm the I'm the righteous hero, but I'm also a perpetual victim. Well, he's he's like aware yeah. enough to be yeah, like, so yeah, I am an asshole, but like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he like doesn't really reflect on it. He defends himself and is like, here's all the reasons for it. Yeah, I'm an asshole, but it isn't ever like. Maybe I should examine that. You know, maybe I should no. change in some way. Oh, hi, Kitty. No. Sorry. <laughs> this is a pro Kitty podcast. Yeah, I don't know where my cat is. Maybe she'll make an appearance. Yours has been behind you, Marco. Anyway. Yeah, next up, Penny Hardwick. Her top recording artists are Carly Simon, Carol King, James Taylor, Cat Stevens, and Elton John. That's a fucking vibe. It's a good, good vibe there. Yeah. yeah. She sounds like very cool, and he did her so dirty. So he dirty. really did. She's awesome. Oh like it's like man, he like is. what a catch. She's way too good. I mean, uh, like like younger and older version because she's the one who becomes the uh, movie critic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like this this flashback sequence. On one hand, I respect a horny goblin. On the other hand, he's talking about he's using words like invasion <laughs> and repelled when going from the breasts, and it's like, dude. Also pulled straight from the book. Wow. So. That's, yeah, that sounds right. This, this scene probably would not uh, be the same if they were to make this movie today. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I cringe so much. Like, rewatching it especially, I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, It's like trying to borrow a dollar, getting turned down, and asking for 50 grand instead. <laughs> As he discusses trying to put his hand up her skirt, yeah. The, the, the fucking cold-bloodedness, though, of the breakup. He, he says, what's the point? It never goes anywhere. God damn. I have actually had that happen to me before. You said it to a guy? What's the point? It never uh, goes anywhere? He, no. <laughs> Opposite. He said that. Yeah. 
Well, and she's like so heartbroken. She's kind of like robbed. Like she collapses on the steps and he just like walks off. Like fuck this shit. I know. Man. Oh, this would have been the she point. Was still single in the future. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, can she trust any man ever? Well, and then he yeah. hears from this yeah. other guy in uh, chemistry class that like she had sex with this guy after something like three dates. Like, oh, how how dare she? You know, like if she wouldn't give it up to me. Then yeah. Yeah, I mean, trying to basically force myself on her, even after many, you know, many times she told me no, and I just kept going. That that apparently didn't do the trick to get her panties off. So, well, but this is this is part of the problem. This is like here's two guys just like sharing conquests or whatever in like chemistry class. Anyway, uh, so he takes us to his like record store in the in the present day championship vinyl um, neighborhood that gets the bare minimum window shoppers the way he's like describing the customer base mostly young men yeah. not unlike porn yeah well yeah, it's like vinyls are fetish properties it's like he doesn't want window shoppers he doesn't want a lot of people there at his place of business no wonder he had okay. to borrow money this movie so if gross point blank was like some kind of guiding light for me for what i thought adulthood looked like this movie is what i thought customer service looks like <laughs> <laughs> just jack black do you even know your daughter <laughs> there's no way she likes that song i mean i worked in a pub and you can get away with some of you know some of that energy but well, definitely not in any other customer service bartenders job. have license to like i don't know they can do whatever they want i feel like well we have three feet of wood between us and the yeah. person you know well and you yeah. control the booze so i fucking hate the whole like i'm supposed to entertain you and i'm giving you money come on yeah, but um, that's how you make your money. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, Dick shows up. This guy just seems miserable. Um. It's like having Eeyore working at your store, like I said. And you know what? Also, I'm going to always be fine with Bell and Sebastian. Whatever. Fuck off. I want a Bell and Sebastian morning. I just like, he's like, I'll make you a tape. And Rob's just like, uh, no, it's it's fine. And then he just, like, keeps on going. I'll, I'll make you a tape. And Rob's just like, sure, fine. The the best detail of that conversation is it's it's whatever this album you, you said you really liked it and then like 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 half a second later rob's like yeah i haven't really absorbed that one and dick's just like still going on like like you said you really liked it so i'll make you a tape um i, I don't know i'm too i'm, I'm two-sided Every, everyone's complicated i want a sad bastard bell and sebastian morning i also want a fucking katrina in the waves you know morning yeah especially on a monday morning that is a lot of energy though for you know <laughs> Oh yeah, not Monday morning, but still, I mean, he's dancing around, he's having fun. You know, that's kind of a contagious attitude. We haven't mentioned, but the Man. soundtrack to this movie is great, and it's like, yeah. like, what was I thinking about? Oh, Baby Driver. Like that was a movie that was just like was supposed to be about the music and like how great the music was going to be in it. And I was kind of let down. I was like, these are like a bunch of like weird deep cuts. That, like I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Whereas this movie, like they get the weird pop stuff, like Walking on Sunshine. They get Marvin Gaye. Like they're you know, they get the clash, like they they've got everything. They okay. listen to two thousand songs while picking the soundtrack oh, yeah. for this nice. movie. Wow. Like, there's like seventy in the movie itself. Yeah. So blah 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 trivia. Wrote this for Jack Black in mind, wanted Jack Black. Jack Black almost didn't do it because he's on the cusp of stardom. The fucking runner up, Artie Lang. <sighs> this movie does not fucking nothing nothing works with Artie Lang. Artie Lang's too mean. Like Jack he Black is. always seems like he's like kind of aggressive, but it, mm-hmm. it, like he would never like like if if Dick suddenly like really got his feelings hurt, you know, Jack Black would like give him a hug or something like that, you know. Whereas I feel like Artie Lang would just like laugh at him. I feel like 
going out for uh, for a night on the town of Ari Lang. We're all ODing later. Like, um, I feel like I've just crossed the line with like Ari Lang's own substance abuse issues. I'm so sorry. Whatever. But like, uh, like just proved with like just the next the next moment of just like the music's playing and Rob's yelling like turn it off, Barry. And Barry's just like what? It won't go any louder. <laughs> I just love that. What the fuck is this? It's the new Bell and Sebastian. Um. I think this is where I got the term sad bastard music from, which is how I would describe most of my musical taste from then on. Hmm. Uh, The nightmare here. Please, please. I was just saying, we get to see um, Barry and Dick's dynamic. Just, you know. So I'm not old enough to make mixtapes, like literal mixtapes. Think fuck. You know, obviously I grew up in an age of mixed CDs. We're all fucking composers, you know, bum, 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 making our mixed CDs. But like, uh, Making a tape seems so goddamn time consuming. You never made tapes back in the day? No, here's what I did back in the day. I when did. I, when I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, this is what technology is at me. I had like a tape recorder, like, like taped. And if I didn't have, I couldn't afford the CD or the tape or whatever. Like when it was on, the music video was on VH1 or MTV. I would just then put the tape recorder oh, up to my so TV and, and hit record. This was like the early 90s. Like suck my dick. No, like, like I, um, we had like the, uh, you know, like, the the stereo amp or whatever and then the tape deck and so like you would if you really wanted a song you'd like call call the radio station or like maybe you knew they're gonna play it at a certain time you know and you just like get ready to hit record to get the song like it, like that's how you made your mixtape you're like literally calling and begging a dj to play the song so you can record it don't act like you weren't there man you're only a year younger than me I was just waiting for MTV to play it for me. Okay. I, I feel like we're both cosmically tragic, but mm-hmm. like, no, like the actual, like the idea that like, I need to also have the song completely play for me to copy it over to the tape. I'm doing like a two handed gesture here for people listening to this like that. I never had to do that. Thank God. I, I, I finally entered this realm of like actual, I don't know, mixed CD technology. I don't know if I ever made a mixed tape for somebody else, but I definitely made them for myself. Well, so I just liked the, the the verbiage. I'm gonna let that CD burn. I'm gonna burn that CD. See, my whole thing with mixed CDs was I I went and got these special CDRs that were black. I don't know if you remember those. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, was like my thing. thing. It would be like like all black CD. Like the back was black, and somehow it still yeah. played. And I'd use a silver sharpie on it. So like that was, that was how you knew you got a, a mixed CD for JT. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> I get all the joy out of the STDs, right? <laughs> Um, so like this, 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 I don't know. It's like, it shouldn't be funny to me. Rob hired these guys and they showed up every single day. That was four years ago. That's how a job works, Rob. (laughs) He says I hired them three days a week. They just kept showing up every day. Can't fire them. No wonder you're poor shit. (laughs) Right. They just keep showing up and he has to pay them. He's not going to turn them away. It's like, well, shit, I didn't budget for this. I'm like, at one point I'm like, are you just paying these guys to be your friends? (laughs) He kind of is. Oh, there is just like I wanted that tape to be like a fucking conversation stimulator, man. This this is a thing that I fucking love, though. Just the idea that like we can just shoot the fucking shit at our job. This is the talking dream about art. Just yeah. talking about yeah. what are your yeah. top five Monday morning like songs or whatever. When uh when I first moved back to California, I applied at some record store of of renown in our Dimple. kind of suburban area, Dimple, and like I loved on the job application, like they had things just like what are your top five movies? Nice. And I fucking love that. And I fucking love that I got like credit from the guy. Like he was willing to hire me because he liked my top five movies. Oh, like they? he was really like indifferent to my resume at large. 
I mean, I think if you're hiring somebody for a record store, isn't that more important than like, oh, I, the I, fact I, that you worked I, at a Little Caesars or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's more about taste, you know. Yeah. What were your top five? At the time? Mm-hmm. God, what were the top five at the time? I think Laventura was on there. My Dinner of Andre. Boogie Nights. I don't remember the other two. Mm. I feel like it's so it's so changed over the time. Insert Jack Black's rant about uh, Nirvana, Beethoven, track one, side one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very pussy. Are, really? You're going to dispute Boogie Nights? No, Boogie Nights is fine. Uh, new classic status? Mm-hmm. Boogie um, Nights would be on my top five. Oh. But not mine, says Kayla. <laughs> I don't even know what my top five would be, but I, I do love Boogie Nights. I think I just haven't seen it enough to be on my top five. That was a movie that like I have not seen in 15 years, but somehow in my life I've watched a hundred times. We used to watch that movie so much. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we're on the number three in the all, top, top five all time break list, breakup list. Charlie Nicholson played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, here's like, this is the, the quote that I feel like I've quoted the most from this movie. I might even quote it last week on the podcast. Uh, Charlie, you bitch. Let's work it out. <laughs> I'd never seen Chicago, which I know she won an Oscar for. But to me, this is like the definitive Catherine Zeta-Jones role. Like, I feel like she's so perfect as Charlie in this. More so than Entrapment, which seems to be her whole character about ass. Ass and lasers. I remember going to see Entrapment in theater and not understanding it because in my mind, I was like, well, there's no way she's a love interest for like supremely old Sean Connery. Grandpa, Grandpa Sean Connery. At a certain point, it's like, oh, no, they're definitely doing that. That's so weird. (laughs) I just remember that's one of those like stupid trailer lines that's burned in my memory. It's like, you're playing both sides. Yeah. But like the way she's like standing up and has this like whole stupid like speech she's giving about like, gene simmons or something like that and like all these grand gestures like uh, i feel like i've seen this person well but yeah rob especially in college oh yeah rob somehow is playing this bad boy persona while dating her i cannot believe that he dated her for a whole two years yeah yeah it just says kiss my neck that's a long time and like you know again from his perspective he mentions she talks a lot but we see her talking a lot but we don't hear what she's saying at all so and you know later he's like oh you know she's terrible she says terrible things but again we don't hear what she's saying and part of me is like what the fuck is she talking about that's so terrible like i just want to know like part of me just wants to know the shitty things that she's saying or like find her shitty season four of the high fidelity tv show like the the charlie character is just like i don't know i feel like trump actually did win the re-election or whatever (laughs) You're like, she does say terrible. My hot take that I wrote down in my notes for that that scene later is I think Charlie and Rob might be meant for each other. Even though Rob acts above it all, I feel like maybe maybe they're the energy that each other wants in their lives. Can I agree with you, but also say that I still think she's too good for him? I can see that, yeah. Um or at least like the the persona that he's trying to project. Yeah. This kind of like outcast, like cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. She just seems like this is some kind of dude's super ideal with like the way she's like stripping on the way up to her apartment where she wears pretenders t-shirts and her fucking after sex in her super fucking awesome apartment. But you're you're right, um, Marco. Two years? That seems like a long two years. time. No, fuck That's no. It's like you're two starting months. to talk about marriage, I feel like at that point. Yeah. You know? Two months. Um yeah. Rob's positive that she would leave him for one of the other dudes in her design apartment, and then she did the dreaded Marco. Marco. <laughs> I'm going to change my Twitter handle to that. No one will notice. Yeah. 
self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Mm, it, ha- it really, truly has been. On the exact line, Charlie, you <laughs> fucking bitch. Let's work it out. Uh, uh, what's his face? Rob spends a lot of time in this movie, like in the rain at night. He's, yes, he's, he's I wrote that down very too. Very extra about that. Very emo. Yeah, my notes just say Rob upset in the rain, comma again. <laughs> Rob's lot. like, I've had pneumonia four times in my yeah, life. Why? Why do you ask? <laughs> yeah, he said after now. Charlie. <laughs> after Charlie, he lost fifteen pounds. Yeah, he probably caught something. <laughs> yeah. That was pneumonia. I was in the hospital for two months. <laughs> Losing his faith and dignity in 15 pounds, he says. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, well, just the, the, have you ever just walked down the streets in the rain screaming and then clutching your head in agony? <laughs> He's, he goes through breakups like Casey goes through breaks up in that Twilight sequel. Oh, or she just like screams. Yeah, she just like screams in her sleep. Yeah. I don't know the, just the casual way that Charlie like walks up to the window and just kind of looks down at him and it's just like, She's so indifferent to it. She's just like, eh. And then, like, Marco comes yeah. and leads her back to bed. The only thing that would have made it better if she then, like, clearly said, told him to, like, kiss her neck. <laughs> just do the same thing as Or she before. just, like, dropped the blanket and they just started going at it right there so he could watch, yeah. <laughs> like in Shame? Does that happen in Shame? Yeah. I saw that movie in like, theater. I don't really remember much of it. You saw Shame in the theater? That's right, yeah. Was it a thing where you all had to reach over and give each other like a hand? That might have been like one of those Seattle trips or something where like you just like, you know, I don't know. Like whenever I go to Seattle, especially if I uh, flew there, it's like sometimes you just need to kill some time. Mm. To be fair with you, whenever I go to uh, Seattle, well, I guess with you, I always see a movie that's going to eventually like win Best Picture. (laughs) Oh, like Parasite? Like Parasite. I think we saw Zero Dark Thirty there. Maybe. Did it win Best Picture? It should have. In my mind, it did. Um, it did not, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he comes to like 15 whatever later. and He uh, dropped out of college working at a record store. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I feel like literally... if that was me, I would have like dropped out of college and then just been living at home with my parents and not have a cool job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, after like, we see the relationship with his mom, uh, you know, maybe it makes yeah. sense he didn't move back home. Men will literally narrate a whole music-infused narrative about their issues with women rather than going to therapy. That's my Twitter joke. <laughs> um, yeah, so Rob tells us that some people never got over Nam for the night their band opened for Nirvana. <laughs> I guess I never really got over Charlie. But he, he learned so from the dramatic. debacle. You got to punch your weight. Problem <laughs> uh, is Charlie was too pretty, too witty, too smart, too much. Yeah. He calls himself a middleweight. I mean, maybe Rob Gordon, not John Cusack. I mean, is that... Is that like his move though? Because later I love that he's just like, you're probably wondering how I fucked Marie DeSalle. <laughs> but he used methods that fucking work. Oh, yeah. yeah. What are they? Yeah. Yeah. He's just the vast that do ocean work. of melancholy just below the surface. I feel yeah. like it'll be mean more if it comes from Kayla. Like if she's co signing on these <laughs> methods, it'll, it'll mean more. Well, I know I noted it too. I know we're jumping ahead, but just, you know, how he acts when they first meet, super cool and not like the other dudes. And yeah, just everything he does after that. Like, okay, I can see it. I mean, I obviously knew it was going to happen, but then I saw, you know, why. And as he was, even as he was, before he got into the explanation, I'm like, yep, yep. He does. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> maybe you can provide some insight to this, Kayla, because this line here, it feels so John Cusack. I really wonder if this was him and not the book. Because he says, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm certainly not the dumbest. I mean, I've read books like Unbearable Lightness of Bean and Love in a Time of Cholera. And I think I understood them. They're about girls, girls, right? Yeah, so that part, I think up until he says, um, 
just kidding. And mm-hmm. then he talks about Johnny Cash, but yeah, that, that first, first bit, he definitely mentions those two books mm-hmm. in the novel and, and stuff. They're about girls, right? Yeah. That just feels so John Cusack. Yeah. It was actually, yeah, it was Nick Hornby. Interesting. Johnny Cash though. Uh, Cash by Johnny Cash. Well, maybe it was well written. I don't know. <laughs> that just makes me think of uh, I Heart Huckabees in the, uh, the Phil Jackson book. Oh, <laughs> Phil Jackson is really a cool smart guy. guy. Okay. That movie's great. I don't know why that's not on a 90s list. It should be. Well, it's a we might do another. Movie. Fuck it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm going to draft into 90s month part two. Um, yeah, Laura calls. She can pick up her shit the next day at work when, she, when he, specifically when he's not there. I love how but, he's just yeah. like, while I'm at work, while I'm at work, and she just goes, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, she's just mouthing it. I, I, I had the captions on, and so thankfully I was able to see, but first I thought she was just mouthing it, like, oh my God, oh my God. but that was funny. And, and just that whole bit of him, like, picking up the phone, you know, land, remember landlines, and then closing the door and everything. I'm just like, oh. Well, there's, there's so much slamming of phones here. in this movie. <laughs> Pay phones, just, you know, that, that technology, it, it brought me back. And then I wrote down top moment twice in my notes mm-hmm. and then it just got away from me. Obviously the dude coming in to get the album for his daughter. I just called to say, I love you. I love the way he delivers the line. He's like, do you have, I just called to say, I love you. Like there's something about the, the pause that he gets there. It's such a dad thing to do. Like, you know, he, he found something popular. He probably asked one of, I don't know, someone in his office that has, has a, who knows. Uh, has a wife or a daughter or something like that, and they gave him that recommendation. So that's, I just feel like that was a very dad move, yeah. <laughs> that delivery too. <laughs> well, the song was like ten years old by that point. <laughs> well, Jack Black is just like, uh huh. Can I have it? No. <laughs> he does. I forgot he has a great line earlier. He says, "I'm sorry. When did the story become a fascist regime?" <sighs> He's just like such a live wire. He brings so much energy. Well, like, yeah. let's get very real. The 2021 version of this story made with like white men straight white men as opposed to like zoe kravitz these guys fucking assholes have a podcast right so i feel well, like he spins somebody, off somebody immediately, would immediately the top five musicals committed by stevie wonder in the 80s and yeah. 90s somebody would immediately criticize them of just being a bunch of gatekeepers and you know like yeah you need to embrace pompism with, or whatever <laughs> they probably reason. love that though because they love the um elitism and their nicheness i think yeah. so yeah. they would probably love that but episode one of the championship vinyl podcast is it better to burn out rather than fade away? Yeah. One of my favorite songs, by the way, mm. he offended me of his terrible taste. It wasn't even his terrible taste. It was his daughter's. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is she in a coma? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize I was insulting your golf buddy. I love the way he turns back and says, fuck you. And Jack Black just like <laughs> turns and gives this like told you so smile. Like, see, there you go. I've revealed his true, you know, character or something. Yeah. And then just, you know, like another successful interaction with a customer. Can't wait to see the Yelp review. This is the job I want, though, you know, where you can just be a terrible customer service person and your boss is just like kind of like busting your balls over it, but doesn't really care. But also then 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 put this side by side with the, uh, hey, man, why did you tell her about the fucking store? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't think that like not having no customers. Top secret information. Yeah. (laughs) But also, I want a boss who would like just fucking like roast me and lash out against me for for bringing up my like uh, ex girlfriend. <laughs> just like slapping him around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. 
So my note about my, but you know, I'm pretty harsh on Dick earlier. My my note about Dick is that this guy is playing this character very specifically. I mean, I hate this type of person. I hate them. I can't stand them. I'm a horrible person in comparison to them. But he seems very real. Oh, totally. I've definitely known this person, worked with this person, mm-hmm. learned patience. I have definitely worked with this person. And then they mysteriously got pushed down an elevator shaft and died. And I was nowhere near the vicinity of it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, you're mentioning the, you know, sorry, I fitted your golf buddy. And then Jack Black says, I'm going to tell you something for your own good pal. That's the worst fucking sweater I've ever seen. It's a Cosby <laughs> sweater. And it's just like, did Laura let you out of the house? And that's when like the Rob just like loses it and starts throttling him. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I watch, I, you know, watch older stuff, even the last, I don't know, five, 10 years or so. And it's crazy how much Cosby was in conversation. Like, so many things reference him. Why is he not in jail? Because there is no justice. Yeah. But he was such a uh, meme for like Jello commercials and, and Cosby sweaters. Yeah. The well, and Lisa Bonet ah. got her start there. Yeah. And rightfully, smartly got the fuck out of there. Or I think he might have fired her because she wanted some pretty basic things. Yeah. Oh, I read something else but it was probably slander so it was a long time ago she does look so much like her daughter in this too like i don't for some reason i don't think i put that together when that high fidelity tv show came out that like oh that's lisa bonet's daughter but yeah so here's this is this is where i'm stupid here's what my first thought with that that tv show was oh it's rob's daughter that could kind of make sense you know one night i was like that's cool she got pregnant on that one night stand Yeah. yeah i wouldn't complain what a, what a fascinating story that like, yeah, one night stand, my dad can like make a special appearance occasionally. He may or may not still be dating this Danish actress. isn't doing anything. I mean, he could show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do some kickboxing. He's occasionally tweeting. Mm-hmm. Does he tweet? I didn't know he had a Twitter. Oh, he tweets. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he, tweets. he tweets like crazy. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't tweeted us about last week's episode. I, I don't know. I'm just um, like worried he's going to come after us if we say too much bad about him. Kickbox the shit out of you. <laughs> Have you said anything bad about him? Not really, no. No, we fucking love him. Yeah. Okay, I was like, did I miss something? Like, apparently, he's just like a like you don't want to fuck with that guy, according to Danny Trejo. So you know, yeah. I want Rob. I want John Cusack on this fucking podcast to like to address that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would die. Or, or here's what I want is I want I want John Cusack, Danny Trejo on this podcast, and the podcast will start like a normal episode. But Danny Trejo will be like, "Hi, welcome back to Headcat," and I'm 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 James Taylor, and then like John Cusack will be like, "What's up? I'm Marco Sparks," and then like people will never notice the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rob comes home to his like empty place later that night. He picks up some of Laura's clothes, starts like smelling them, monologuing about them, and I show my notes. Nothing about this place seems like it's remotely hers. No. Yeah, like and we maybe, only see maybe like, the bathroom part cabinets it. have some Laura things, but that's in the it. closet. Yeah, how do we feel about this extended monologue on women's underwear here? He's like so angry about it. Yeah, Again, it's. I think it just ties back to fantasy versus reality. You know, I guess it would make more sense to me if he was a little younger. It's like Rob. It seems like you've dated a lot of women by this point. Like. Haven't you figured out the underwear thing yet? Or are you just still mad that you did figure it out at some point? <laughs> you're just like, you still hold a grudge. Well, like, do you think Charlie ever had boring underwear? She doesn't seem like the no, kind of would. No, she, like, she would live she up seems... to the fantasy. If she wore underwear. Good point. Um, he listens to the answer machine message. There's a message from Laura's mother. Um, I don't know why the, the expression, I mean, it's uh, setting up the whole later 
end game of the movie, but the phrase your father's angina seems funny to me. <laughs> I'm going to get refill my, my drink. Please keep talking. All right. Uh, so yeah, he's got the whole rant about women's underwear and how they, they only wear their good pairs for the nights. They know they're going to sleep with somebody like, in, I mean, in, that's not totally untrue, but like, is that a problem? <laughs> I don't know. Are you really like upset that like, wow, just on a, a regular Tuesday, she's wearing just some Hanes underwear. Boo. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know why he's so concerned with yeah. it, but you know, I just think he has it built up like, you know, built up in his head. He and he lives off of that. Like, yes, he may be older and yes, he may have dated a lot, but you know, still part of him, as he said, is like mentally well, hinted to anyways, mentally 14 still. <laughs> Not much has changed since I was 14. It's like, yeah. Mm, you're you're uh you're displaying that pretty well. Well, he's like aware of it. But he's not really like it doesn't seem like it concerns him. You know? Well, and he blames the women like, oh, well, they haven't changed at all. And, you know, if I don't change and Laura calls him out for not changing. So, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a theme. He's I jump in like I heard everything mm-hmm. and just say, is it possible that he actually gets off easier at the end of this movie than Seth Rogen does in that fucking Judd Apatow movie? About oh, knocking up. people up. I don't know, and, and knocked up, he did like crack open a book about parenting and like did the whole like lick the finger, turn the page, and then suddenly he has like a good job and he's he's he got t- he's got his own apartment. Yeah. Don't, Rob, don't Rob get me started on that movie. Produced an EP yeah. and then like uh held a party where he DJed and Laura's just like ah, you're growing. Yeah. But, well, when your bar is low, any movement is gonna be high. Her bar is outrageously low. Yeah, she puts up with a lot of This shit. is not dating. This is limbo. I found I liked her more on rewatch. Like Same. Even though you're like, I, I, I guess you can kind of understand. It's like at the end, it's like, well, her life's a mess. She just, she needs like, you know, to return to the familiar or whatever. But yeah, it's like, how long is this really going to last? Well, the problem I think yeah. the movie has is it paints that Laura has two options in life, and one of them is Ray <laughs> what? or Fucking Rob. Ian. <laughs> and I, I'm like, no, Laura could pick anybody. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I, I wish I had that because, like I said, I never really cared about Minnie Driver in my many years with Gross Point Blank, and I fucking adored her in this rewatch in 2021. And I wish I had that with with Laura. All right, well, we're start, start thinking about who you'd recast her with then. Okay. Touch on that later. Um, but uh, we see, are we at the next on the list, number four? Sarah. Well, so, yeah, we, we see him. He's like doing a big, re- he's starting the rearrangement of our all his albums like a psychopath. And he's going to tell us about Sarah. <laughs> he puts on some Bruce Springsteen and then he, he like cut to him and he's like wearing the Bruce Springsteen like leather jacket and bandana. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, big uh, big reteaming of Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta Jones since that shitty fucking movie, The Haunting, the of the House, Haunting, or The Haunting, yeah. which which we we saw in the theater, mm-hmm. right? I saw that in the theater for sure. Yeah, that was like my first exposure to Owen Wilson. Whoa, because he's like, wow. And he gets I think mine was Anaconda. Wow, I don't know if I saw it in the theater. I think for what really I stand, a sleepover. The only thing that stands out to me about The Haunting is that it was the first time I really noticed how like there's a certain shot they do in a horror movie when somebody's oh about the medium to die. shot. It's like this yeah. kind of medium shot where the person's kind of just like standing there kind of flat against the background. And it's like you're just waiting for something bad to happen to them. You know, it's like the first yeah. time I noticed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these two, she's been dumped by some asshole named Michael. He's been dumped by Charlie. These two are going to hate the opposite sex together and also fuck. I mean, uh, who hasn't been there? 
only people of a certain disposition are afraid of being alone for the rest of their lives at 26. It's like, <laughs> fuck Rob, that's telling. Mm-hmm. That's goddamn telling. And then I love her, the flashback where that's the breakfast table. And she's like, I met someone else. I met someone else. And shrugs. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck? His hair in that shot. At the yeah. That, that is pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> There's a lot of bad bangs in this movie. I mean, I, I like uh, Laura, but those bangs are rough. They're so bad. They're so so. I bad. kept waiting for I mean, like, not to be petty, but my god. I kept waiting for like rough. like in like a like a Schwarzenegger movie or like a Liam Neeson movie. There's usually some sort of weird uh, shoehorned in explanation of like how this person's from Austria or like Ireland or you just like you had to like explain away why this person in America has this like like severe accent. I kept waiting for that with Laura to like mention that in her, like in her bangs. Yeah. Or, her bangs and, and just the fact that she's clearly Danish. Yeah. Or just oh okay about yeah. her accent. I was thinking you're saying like my beautician hates women. <laughs> so that's why I have these shitty fucking bangs. I mean I, is this the the opening of my eyes to realizing that most bangs don't look great. Sorry. Okay. Most bangs do not look like that. Right? Thank I you. only had those bangs when I was four years old and took a pair of scissors to my own hair. Okay. That's the only time I've ever had bangs like that. They're not supposed to be. Is, is this a 2000 hairstyle that's going to come back? God, no. That wasn't even in back then. I think bangs fit certain people's coloring, their face shape, whatever. Mm-hmm. The problem is the people who tend to get bangs are not those folks. My impression well, of like- bangs. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like Zoe Deschanel, you know, Jamila Jamil, those are bangs people. They've had them forever. They rock them. And some people are interchangeable. Not everyone could be Emma Stone, who I saw was also going to sue Disney. Good for her, girl. Get it, girl. I, I was going to say, my impression of bangs, it's it's kind of like the uh, the Panda Bear Express of hairstyles. Like, you think you want it because you haven't had it for a long time, and then you get it, and it's not that good. Yeah, and usually if you get bangs, you're going through some shit. Well, so... The times I've had bangs... <laughs> We all need that friend who just shows up and tells us no. So trusted source is like, you're not leaving the house like that. That's a stupid idea. You're a stupid person. Mm. Yeah. You put your head in a drawer and you kept shutting it repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, so this, um, this is a scene here where Dick comes over and sees that he's rearranging all of his records autobiographically. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know why I took all the dialogue down as if we're all three of us going to do Hastings Dinner Theater about this, but just the uh, chronological, no, not alphabetical, nope, autobiographical, no fucking way. Like as if this is the thing he's been waiting for. It just is like, if I want to find the song Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, I have to remember that I bought it for someone in the fall of 1983 pile, but didn't give them for personal, for reasons. personal reasons. I love things like, things like that sounds comforting. Psychotic. I know. <laughs> is, yeah. I, mean, I have been threatening be. to do autobiographical to my everything in my home I mean, for is, a while. Is the Rob of 2021 just like going into iTunes or whatever and like somehow like rearranging shit in there? Is it, is sick. he like just really going deep on the metadata or something? That's sick. Oh, yeah, so, uh, he made some playlists. He goes in, rearranges the playlist. That's no different than playing video games all night long. But uh, so Dick offers to stay and help, but points out that Rob should keep his records piled that way because of the pressure puts on the vinyl. And I'm like, does the proprietor of the record store need to be record splained, Dick? You just remind me, speaking of playlists, uh, track number three, No Cars Go by Arcade Fire off Neon Bible. Arcade Fire. Well, him telling, uh, you know, record splaining, could you uh, say it was a dick move? <laughs> I had to. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. Um, so Rob's mom calls to say that Rob's lucky that Laura's doing as good as she's doing. Otherwise, Rob's parents wouldn't sleep at night. 
And Rob has to tell her that Lauren moved out. And she's like breaking down crying. And and like, and Rob's like, I'm all right. That's what's upsetting you. No, it's not what's upsetting you. This, me. Well, it fucking should be. The scene she really reminds so me of my shit. mother. Not that I've ever had this conversation with my mother, but it feels like something. Shut she, up, mom. She would say. <laughs> God damn, that's some cold shit. Well, like imagine like the things she's probably had to hear, like from his perspective. It's like, dude, well, you're the denominator here. Like you keep you keep obviously doing something. Well, as the mom, you're clearly thinking like Laura seems like she has her shit together. Like I I feel good that my son is in this relationship with her because like maybe then he'll kind of have his shit together at least somewhat too, or there's somebody looking out for him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um I um my first serious boyfriend after we broke up, my mom was, um, I wouldn't say mad at me, but she was just upset that we broke up. Cause she really liked him probably more than I did. And eventually we got to a point where I was like, mom, he's a dickhead. And I told her why she's like, Oh, never mind. He sucked. <laughs> I know Kayla's previously threatened to do her top five breakups on this podcast. Nope. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm just so curious. No pressure. I mean, they're on, they're on there. I might get to them later. I wasn't okay. sure if you guys were, if it was just going to be me. When, how about when James gets to track eight? We seriously consider it. <laughs> Give me until five. So, okay. probably get there. I assume the John Dillinger anecdote here is not in the book because the book takes place in London. Um, I don't. I mean, probably not. I didn't didn't read that far. Yeah. So, what is Sheriff us, James? What is the John Dillinger? Uh, he's John just Dillinger? walking out of a theater and he says, "John Dillinger was shot dead behind that theater in a hail of FBI gunfire." You know who tipped him off? His fucking girlfriend. He I just wanted to go to the movies. Defending- <laughs> John Dillinger. I wrote in my notes, Rob seems like a real catch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his fucking girlfriend who helped, you know, put away a, or um, get rid murderer? of murder, I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh. Whoa. Sorry. Big Don, John Dillinger fan there. Yeah, really. John um, Dillinger escape plan over there. So then we get the uh, Lisa Bonet singing Baby I Love Your Way. And they're all just mystified, not mystified. Uh, what is the word? Captivated by Enamored. her. Yeah. I would argue that the crowd seems unenthused, but Barry or Barry, Dick and Rob are obviously lusting. I mean, yeah. if I were like at a coffee shop and this was playing on like the radio or whatever, like, I don't know. This, this just feels like something to play at Starbucks. It's, this isn't something you're like. Smelly cat. Yeah. Smelly cat. <laughs> Well, I think it works so well because it is Lisa Bonet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe why it works so well. Kind of like how I can for, maybe not forgive, but um, overlook or um, for, I guess maybe forgive some of Rob's stuff because it's John Cusack. Well, he's not only does he look like John Cusack, but he, he is John Cusack. Like he, he, there's all this baggage, (laughs) you know, of like, we, we've seen him play other nicer roles. And so we just kind of, we're willing to, to like let a lot of things slide there, you know? I don't know why that's funny to me. Not only is he John Cusack, but but he is John Cusack. (laughs) (laughs) There is a, the best of both worlds. (laughs) I don't know if you guys noticed, there is a dude bro extra who seems very into the, um, very into the concert though. Nice. I hope it's the same guy who asks about the uh, the beta band later. That'd be great. Oh, uh, you talking about the guy in the background? He's just yeah, like you know the yeah. guy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I call it. I just had dude, bro. <laughs> All one word. Um, um. So, what do you think about the extended thing about uh, wanting to date a musician? This feels right to me. I mean, it, I mean, it feels like a conversation there. I could have had with someone. You know. 
that's definitely a conversation I have had with someone yeah. and probably why I dated so many musicians before. Well, and Dick's whole <laughs> thing about like dreadful. maybe just in the background of a photo type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that it comes from Dick too, who seems like the most sexless creature I've ever seen. Like, how can I put this nicely about Dick? Remember those rumors back in the day, especially in the 90s where KFC wasn't like, like serving you chicken anymore, but something served in the lab which is why they were no longer called Kentucky Fried Chicken. They were like called KFC. Because it wasn't, it wasn't like technically DNA-wise chicken anymore. Mm. Dick seems something that would be like fried up mm. and okay. served to me in an item on the menu. Of, of would it KFC. help if his name wasn't Dick? Because he looks like well, Moby. Like, <laughs> does. That's when I reached for my revolver. Moby Dick? I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's why his character is named Dick. Oh, shit. If that was the joke... That would be next level. Can, can we just go on a quick detour about just the the bizarre reality of Natalie Portman's life where like she had that one guy like try to leave his wife for her when they were just like pen pals and she's like, yes. I'm not into it. And then yes. Moby being like, oh, no, we dated. And she's like, no, we didn't. And he's like, no, we did. And she's like, uh, no, we didn't. So here's what's so funny about that to me, though, is back in the, the end of the 90s, you, James Taylor, were the one who told me that Moby and Natalie Portman had dated. Oh, because it was like, you know, it was, it was out there. It was in the wind. Right, right, right. So then then fast forward to 20 years later, when she's like, we never dated that. We never fucking dated. I was like, wow. But James told me they did. And then Moby played it entirely wrong because he was just like, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And it's like, dude, just say it felt serious to me, but I made a mistake or whatever. You know, like, like be cool about it. Like, don't be a fucking asshole. This is like the one thing you've been living on. Kind of like how later when Rob is correcting um, Allison's mom, like, no, I was her first boyfriend. Yeah, technically, technically, yeah, technically yeah. Well, I don't know what yeah. you mean by technically, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> her fucking attitude. Yeah. If we were doing scene. power rankings, I think she might be like in the top five. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I got to go, Bob. <laughs> I hate to say it. Charlie might be higher than she should be in the, in the power <laughs> rankings. She might be. Just the way she says, Fuck! <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Moby. What the fuck, Moby? Come on. Um, you had your song in every one of the stupid Bourne movies. In a lot of car commercials. In a lot of, you sold every song on that goddamn album. Let it go, man. Anyways, after the show, Rob, Dick, and Barry getting their copies of Lisa Bonet's CD signed and they're well, hype at the record store. Rob is immediately doing the cool guy thing where like Dick and Barry are kind of geeking out and he's like kind of being like, like playing it down trying to be chill about it you know like oh mm-hmm. like immediately creating the distance between him and, and uh, them and and kind of sharing a little private joke with uh marie de sal there yeah it's like he's already setting it up yeah i don't know if it was conscious though it almost seems unconscious because he was so focused on on laura mm-hmm. but but yeah he definitely um what you're saying intentionally that- it's the right move some guys step on rakes perpetually. Some guys just step right in the pussy. <laughs> I mean, he does. I don't know if he just steps. Well, maybe in that part, he just steps into it. But when they actually hook up, he's making an effort. He's diving. I just into love it, yeah. that he has like his laps in it. He, he goes through his whole routine and how he pulled this off. And then like, for, we kind of get her perspective a little bit where she's just like, he's a piece of ass to her. <laughs> you know, She's just like, oh, I just want to yeah. get laid. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> On my rankings. <laughs> yeah. There's also a lovely, I think it's a cover of Jesus Don't Want Me for a Sunbeam over this, but uh, 
at home he's listening to one of her CDs. Like he has room for CDs in his like palace to vinyl. I'm surprised we didn't get the scene where they're like debating the uh, I don't know, like the audio quality or whatever, you know, about how vinyl sounds warmer or something like that. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. Audio file stuff. Um, but yeah, so we get a we get a answering scene message from Liz, played by Joan Cusack. Uh, she's friends with both of them, isn't taking sides. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the next day, Laura shows up for things. Of course, Rob is there because unfortunately, she told him what time. She did the adult responsible thing of saying, I'm going to show up at this time. And he did the there. thing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be fucking there. And he instantly goes, dude, do you still love me? Yeah, he's not beating around the bush at all. No. No. Which I do appreciate. He's not, you know, tiptoeing around it. But as much shit as he says, you know, all oh, women are have their schizo bullshit and they're all, you know, dramatic. Like, you know, a lot of yeah. dude bros say he's pretty fucking dramatic. Well, yes. Uh, what should I have done to make you happy? And she's like, nothing. Make yourself happy. Yeah. That's well, a very it, real conversation well, that says, they have. Why am I not happy? Because you're the same person you used to be. And I'm not. Which is like pretty much nails exactly his whole thing. Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. it just whew, right past him. Well, also, she says, we don't get along anymore. You haven't changed or evolved. You know, you you resent me for getting a grown up job. Um, and she grabs basically nothing. And my, my first note is, and obviously she comes back later for more stuff, but I was like, so that was all she had the place, huh? Nothing? Wow. I, yeah, get out of the door. I feel like as soon as she saw him there and he immediately let off with Do You Still Love Me, she's like, I need to like make some sort of cursory effort to pick up a few things and then I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, like I'll just have to try this again later, but I'm, I'd, I'm not going to leave now and be too dramatic about it. You know, I'm just going to try to like play it off. Yeah, I think she realized, oh, this isn't just going to be a clean break kind of breakup. This is going to be a long, extended yeah. breakup. Yeah. Well, I think also the we find out the origin story of this relationship is that like her lease was up, so she moved into him. And unfortunately, they never got past that that thing where like this is his place that she lives at. Mm-hmm. It was never like their place. Well, yeah, I think we see that with the lack of her. Yeah. yeah. You know, her and her stuff. And 85% of that apartment there. is vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we see vinyl, we see bedroom. That's about all we get. I just, I, I would have been like, on the set, I would have been like, have her take like five records or something with her to show that like she kind of was into vinyl as much as him. Because otherwise, this is fucking sad. Um, and I want her to get out of there. Poor and woman. just again, I want to keep circling back to this, but the fantasy versus route, like he's telling her that she doesn't like her job. She's like, no, I do like my job. It's him that doesn't like it and doesn't like who she's become even though when they first met and started dating she was already like a legal aid and on that track like where do you think she was gonna go you yeah. know quit her job and work in a record store like what you what you did i mean this is how i know i'm old because always... i'm just like i don't see the problem rob <laughs> like yeah. she's got a normal stable job and she seemingly yeah. makes good money like what are you complaining about well and she was fine of his bullshit mm-hmm. for a long 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 time like he thought she was always gonna be the girl with like multicolored hair who said that's a kick-ass record um, but yeah, so the record store, they're making their like, uh, they kill time making their top five lists. Uh, this is like Rob's like basic bitch, you know, top track five, one, side, side one. one. Yeah. And so his picks is like Smell Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. And like Barry's like, oh, obvious choice. And then he picks like this like massive attack song from like a remix album, which is the closest we get to like the, the dance music genre. Um, 
Oh, slide declaration of new classical status up into a list of very old safe ones. Very pussy. Tell me something, Rob. How does how do you own a record store when you have no interest in music or something like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this creepy fucking dude who looks like he should own a van in a comes minute in every week in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get some Jack Black ass crack. Yes, I had that too. <laughs> Jack Black's crack. And he like um, he pulls out the record, shows it to him. How much you want for it? And he's like, oh, let me see. Oh, you know what? We're not selling it this week. Oh no, you said that last week. <laughs> well, then they turn around and sell to Lewis for like forty yeah. bucks. I love it. So was it this guy's like That's a great. he's like a musician, like a, in real life or something like that? Is that the trivia I read? I think so. Like there are quite guy. a few, quite a few musicians in here. They're playing music or um, who Van guy or like Lewis. <laughs> yeah, well, Lewis is an actor. Lewis has been on like the single guy with John. Okay, maybe, maybe it's somebody else oh. who was uh, like a real real life musician. But oh, it's a guy who comes in um, later the guns, the uh, gunslinger? to talk about Barry's. Um, oh right, poster. okay, that guy. The, hip, the hip young gunslinger. But yeah, I like yeah. how this guy is just right. like you guys are snobs. <laughs> you know, how you feel like underappreciated scholars, <laughs> and they all answer in unison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're elitist. No. But you're smarter than you think you're smarter yeah. than everyone. Yes. <laughs> Lewis says no, but it's like, yeah, this is the job, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm an, I'm an old, old man now, but I would still fucking take this job. I, I'm sad to say. Um, I would too, after working corporate for so long. <laughs> yeah. Rob goes in the office, tells us he hates his record shop. Somebody's going to flip out, toss the country music uh, like A through K in the street and go work at Virgin Megastore. Oh, I got some bad news about that Virgin Megastore, Rob. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm like, this movie is like the lopsided and like fucked up antimatter version of You Got Mail. Um, well, it's like like literally like a year after this movie came out, like the entire record industry is like obliterated. You know? Yeah, yeah. We still have a pretty big, um, well, big here anyway, record chain. It's, oh, yeah. you know, used records, books and movies, Zia. Uh, record exchange still kicking. I we we have Dimple oh. Records, so, so yeah, there's no, apparently st- no. Are they gone now? No, we don't. Okay, they've been R. gone for years. <laughs> oh, Zia is still open. I used to. Um, I lived by one. I would go and buy movies, sell movies and books, yes. and didn't have a record player at the time, but just you know, looking through the records, it was a lot of fun. Unrelated, I happened to stop by at Bebmo today. Do you know they sell like like just regular grocery store items there now? Like what? Um, are they like, like the lettuce? charcuterie kind of items? It, or? No, it's lettuce? like like cereal and mac and cheese, like tampons and tampons. What? And uh, I, I I was planning to go to a Rite Aid because I needed some uh, some gauze, and like they sold it there. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I don't need to go to Rite Aid now. Hey James, hmm. you remember the vampire joke? Yes, I do. I don't know if it'd be really uh, appropriate to tell in this podcast, but oh, here's, please, here's please. the thing about vinyl mm-hmm. is like if you want to buy vinyl now, buy like while it's like out if you wait too long is that once more with feeling yeah you're gonna get fucked <laughs> so also if someone's listening to this and wants to send me a, a phoebe ridgers punisher album on vinyl i will be your friend um yeah so rob calls liz last year joan cusack to thank her for the answer machine message and i love that like this this one minute scene we see that they really filmed her in an office in chicago like there's the river behind her it's funny how john Cusack rarely plays john Cusack's sister she's always just yeah. kind of like a friend or you know like business associate just their eighth film together mm-hmm. they did two more after this I um I, I love that like the, like like there's the 
there's a precursor to, I think social media and relationships made everybody amateur detectives. Like we all became like fucking Perot and Marple, like trying to figure out like who our ex was like fucking around with or whatever. And I love that she, like he just talks to her. It's a normal conversation. And she's like, I don't think much of this Ian guy. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> what fucking Ian? Gonna freak out about that later. Yeah. And the Dick comes to warn him that Rita Sal is in the store. I forgot. There's Dick's description of Rita Sal there. He says, you remember I told you about her? I like her. She's kind of a Cheryl Crowish cross with the post-partridge family, pre-LA law season day kind of thing. But, you know, uh, black. <laughs> Which is like pretty accurate. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, yeah. So like Rob, of course, is like he's holding the Marie Sal liner notes as he gets this news. So um, he's got to go yeah, play cool it. with Marie Sal while yeah. he's just waiting to run back into his office and scream, "What fucking Ian?" <laughs> <laughs> I love their little exchange too. Like they're playing her music and. He's like, oh, you know, should I turn it off? You're probably sick of it. She's like, you should turn it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, on, I feel like that kind of shows that he maybe is misreading Rita Sal a little bit. Like he's kind of mentally categorized, categorized her in a certain way. Or like later when she's just like, oh, I'm not going to let, you know, heartbreak it in a way of a fuck or whatever. It's like he definitely was not expecting that at all. Like he he kind of like had this idea of who she was, who she isn't really. Yeah. Wait, you're saying that Rob Gordon has misread women his entire life? <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Hot take. Um, yeah, so like Rob's like marching this. She's like trying to figure this shit out because I love this. I love this. Again, the social media detective thing. Laura doesn't know anyone named Ian. There's no one at Ian in her office. None of her friends are named Ian. But then he remembers I, there's some like leftover mail. Yeah, friends. leftover mail on the table just on the entry of the apartment building. This guy named I Raymond. Ray to his friends. He lived upstairs up to, up to like six weeks ago. Rings on his fingers. Awful cooking his, smells. Yeah. His music, Latin and Bar- Bulgarian, whatever, whatever. was trended that week. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate him now. It's, no, I, I never liked him a, much then, and I fucking hate him now. It's such a yeah. perfect, like, oh, that kind of guy. You know, it's like, you maybe d- haven't met someone like that personally, but you you know exactly the kind of guy he would be. Well, and, and telling moment about Rob, he's just like, Laura and I used to lay in bed, listen to him, even have sex and like laugh about him. And then we get the flashback, them canoodling and they're each reading. And upstairs, you can just hear like Ian is like railing some chick. <laughs> and like Rob is like, geez, he goes off. And Laura's like, hmm, I should be so lucky. And she's clearly teasing Rob, but is she? Well, I mean, that's, that's as we will find out, kind of a, uh, a point of insecurity with Rob in general. Also, the book that she's reading. My there's it called like my next boyfriend or something like love that. Love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I had that um, down and just too. the line: nobody has ever had better sex than the sex that she is having <laughs> in my brain. Uh, I love that so much. It's hilarious. Fucking well, just when we Tim see Robbins. who Ian James is, and it's Tim it. Robbins with this ridiculous wig, the Steven Seagal ponytail <laughs> as he puts it, and just you know like. I mean, I've personally had that just like the fantasy you build up in your head when someone's broken your heart and left you for someone else. And you're just like, oh, they're so fucking happy. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you just, you know, you have that moment. At least I have. Have you had a ponytail guy, though? No. Okay. You are Ian's plaything. Responding to his touch of shrieks of orgasmic delight. <laughs> and he has to roll over in bed after freaking out and admit that, uh, who was the last one? Jackie, Jackie Alden meant nothing, you know, had no effect on my life whatsoever. It was a casual thing. I was glad when it ended. Congratulations, Laura. You're number five with a bullet. 
which is like even more fucked up than Jackie Alden. It seems like she's like a normal human being who's just lucky to get out alive. In the in the novel, it was a much different story. It happened um, <clears throat> when they were still in like junior high or high school. It was his best friend's girlfriend, and then they had a thing. And then you know, the, she and the best friend had broken up, and then he immediately realized, like, oh, I don't want, I don't want this. Well, so here's the thing: the the 2021 version of this does not get made with the. Did you just hit yourself in the face of your drink? I hit my teeth. All right. Awesome. Um, does not get made with the four items by which Liz proclaims that he's an asshole. Um, so like, I don't think you I mean, can add is, in Rob also fucks his like best friend's girlfriend. It is. It does. Like, they're not sugarcoating it. You know, it's like, no, those are legitimate asshole over things. It. And it's not like, you know, like, I don't know, just some kind of like fake fight type thing that like is just a misunderstanding or, you know. I both hate and 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 love the fact that we never go into the cheating. Yeah. It's really not really about, it. It, it's not really about that. It's like Rob's got, we'll get there. Rob's got yeah. flaws, I, but uh, I just love the bit where the, he's like, got the cigarette. He's at his lowest. Something comes in and says, Hey, do you have soul? And he's me. like, yes, that soul. all depends. There's such a uh, black books, the British sitcom vibe to Rob. He's so Bernard black. He really is smoking in the store. That's such a great show. Yeah, it is. Um, so Rob takes a call, which leads to the whole deleted scenes of, of uh, Beverly D'Angelo, which, my God, I had the weirdest like five-minute crush on Beverly D'Angelo after European vacation. Okay. Which I think it was the original or um, maybe Christmas vacation. Yeah. Well, this is when Liz storms in and says, hey, Rob, you fucking asshole. And then just like turns around <laughs> and walks out. Love it. One of my favorite line deliveries. Not just I want to do that to friends who work in a physical place. You can't do that in a virtual environment. <laughs> boop, 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 call. Mean, you fucking asshole. Decline. Yeah. I mean, like today's, you know, equivalent might be like a Zoom call. You somehow get in on there and then you just, you know, do that. Not, but that's it, not the it same. It would be even it's more awkward though. Like, can you imagine a Zoom call where like somehow on a Zoom call, just some random person pops up and it's like, hey man, could you stop hanging outside my house at night? Like calling your girlfriend. <laughs> the, Everyone the else would just be like, is like when he's like, I gave all that up. And Tim Robbins is like, You're there you were the there this morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah, you can't put like you fucking asshole in the Slack channel. That's every other correspondence in the Slack channel. Um, yeah, so later Rob's at a piano bar, tells us there's a DJ, which, hey, by the way, waiting an hour to tell us you were a DJ, that's a red flag. It's a red flag and a half. Well, his um, DJ name was just DJ Rob Gordon. He didn't have like a handle. That, all right, so that tracks for me. I don't know if James laughs about it as much as I do, but our friend Steve, who's mentioned a few times in this podcast, was once left for a young woman. Or a, a young woman he left, was once in left the him. parlance cucked by a DJ named DJ Samurai. May DJ not have actually Samurai. been called DJ Samurai, but his thing was that he pulled out a katana during his set and like would swing it around while like mixing with the other hand. Mm-hmm. My God. I mean, I sound old, but that seems really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but also... If you're going to get cucked, that's the saddest way to get cucked, right? Maybe David Lindhagen. Yeah, true. Fucking David Lindhagen. I'm take off my rings and punch that guy in the face. <laughs> I just watched that a few years, a few weeks ago. I almost feel like that's a headcanon movie at some point. I enjoyed it. 
Because I think James, you and I saw that theater together, we right? We did. I just, I really name. didn't like Steve Carell's character in that. Like he just oh, seemed creep. like a dirtbag. Yeah. Yeah, he's. A I think. Um, um. Oh my God, why am I blanking his name? Kevin Ryan. Bacon. Oh, Ryan Gosling. No, thank you. Really makes really and Emma Stone. Mm. I think that really makes a movie. Definitely. But the fact that like he has a move, and then the movie's like not afraid to call it out. I have a move. Yeah. And that would fucking work. <laughs> Talking yeah, about especially if you're Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? He looks like you're photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nobody's photoshopped in high fidelity, though. Uh, yeah. So he's a DJ. That's where he met Laura. She's in legal aid, hence wearing leather jackets, dyeing her hair. And he starts grooving on her because, of course, she's paying attention to him. So, of course, he's grooving on her. Uh, she comes back the next week to get a tape from him. He said the DJ was all about meeting promising women. Yikes. And he said it was maybe the happiest he'd ever been. <sighs> Yeah, she didn't make him uh, miserable or anxious or ill at ease. Sounds boring, but it wasn't. I just I feel like this is what he's like slowly arriving at was that like he like it wasn't like amazing twenty four seven with her, but it was like good and you know nice and and made him happy. You know, it wasn't the fantasy, but it was a an, an enjoyable reality. I mean, that's what most you know real relationships are like yeah. it's not always sunshine and rainbows and the, not always up and downs like some people you know they always date people who um it's like a roller coaster right there's always drama and they somehow think that that's what a relationship is supposed to be like yeah. and you're like no no you don't like it's old like you just you know well, something also, different it's not fucking healthy yeah i think the the brilliant innovation of 500 days of summer is not calling it fantasy versus reality it's expectations expectations versus reality that yeah it's so brutal i love it um I yeah so oh you haven't why... well just no, i'll give you the to. quick setup just of that scene it's it does like a split screen thing where he's going to see the girl that he's broken up with at that point at a party and it's like sure. expectations on one side reality on the other and oh, on cool. the one side the expectation side it's like they're hitting it off they're you know like slowly getting closer to each other rekindling a romance kissing and on the other side it's just kind of he's there standing around it's awkward and she's like talking to some other dude and and then he just like leaves by himself it's it's pretty brutal (laughs) the way it's paced yeah i mean i i think it's fair to say there'll probably be a 2000s month on headcan at some point sure no kayla maybe you should come back for that one please um so yeah rob tells us that liz and laura probably had lunch Liz probably stuck up for him, and Laura would have revealed at least two, if not all four, the following pieces of damning info. One, Rob slept with someone else while Laura is pregnant. Two, that his affair directly contributed to her getting an abortion. Three, after the abortion, he borrowed a large sum of money from her and have not yet repaid it. Four, shortly before she left, he told her that he was kind of unhappy and maybe sort of looking around for someone else. He's like, did I do and say those things? Yes, yes I, I did. did. I'm a fucking asshole. I love- also waited about an hour to, to reveal all that. Uh-huh. Flag. Yeah, like why did you guys break up? I, I love Joan Cusack reacting to every new piece of uh, information. Shocking. No, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> shocking. Like, well, it's like the fact that she didn't leave him already or even tell him about it. I mean, fuck. I love that Joan, Joan, Joan Cusack. Cusack is wearing the outfit that she appeared in earlier. It's like she like stood up from this luncheon she was having with Laura. Yeah. Walked over to the record <laughs> store and like cursed them out and then left. Yeah. Well, Joan Cusack has this way of talking where she delivers every single line of dialogue like she's just discovered English for the first time and she likes it a lot. Shocking! 
<laughs> did I do and say uh, all those things? Yes, I did. I am a fucking asshole. But then he he's says, also then has to start defending himself. Exactly. Who's Laura had the money and I didn't. <laughs> and she wanted to give it to me. I am kind of with him on the money thing. He's just like, it's not like I got rich. You know, like she broke up with yeah. me and I, I'm five grand richer. Um, yeah, I once had that after after breakup where he loaned me some money, but he was the one who left me. So debt repaid, I guess. You know, debt forgiven. Which reminds me, James, what track are we on? Oh, shit. I think we're on track four here. Uh, Make Your Own Kind of Music by Mama Cass Elliot. A.K.A. the song from The Hatch and Lost. Nice. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, he says that the uh, she tricked him into revealing that the looking for someone else. They're having a state union trick. type conversation. Yeah, <laughs> about their relationship. Um, I, I, he's like, I fell for it because, well, she's much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> At least he can admit that and be okay with it. And yeah, he's, I mean... Pretty, He's a little bit intimidated by it because he gives her shit for it. And, you know, it's a sneaky lawyer trick, but yeah. Yeah. Then the, the pregnancy is like, I didn't know about it. Because of course I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, like, we don't know how long they were together throughout the whole movie. We mm-hmm. have no idea how, how long their relationship has been. It seems like a while, but no established time frame. And also I wonder how, you know, how soon into or how far into their relationship did he sleep with someone else? Like, was it within the first few weeks? That's a lot different than, you know, yeah. months later. You know, I mean, not that it's exactly great, but it's, it makes a difference. Well, and he's talking about, we were going, he didn't even know about the pregnancy until they were going through like a good time. And he mentioned kids and suddenly she burst into tears, which is pretty brutal. <laughs> like anything about yeah, that's from her side want. to it. You know? The, the cutting to them, like just like walking in nature somewhere, like it looks all happy, like a fucking commercial. And then it just like comes up. Yeah. Well, then he, I love- he admits going into this brief advice bout of self-righteousness. You know, how dare you, my child, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, it's like he knows he that he that was like a total asshole move. But I don't know. He never really seems to like come out and say, I was wrong or, you know, like I want to I want to not be that guy anymore or anything like that. It's just it's like he just exists and like. Well, sometimes, you know, I, I'm an asshole and that's just how it is. No he's really kind of, yeah, he's totally the kind of person who you bring something that they've done to them. Like, hey, you fucked up. You've hurt me in some way. And then they immediately turn it around on you and make it your fault somehow. He's that fucking guy. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly think that maybe my favorite line reading from John Cusack in this whole movie is when he's like, that pretty much brings us up to date. Who needs a drink? <laughs> So then we get the scene where he's going through his old shit to uh, find the number for Alice Nashmore and he calls and gets the mother. <laughs> and she's just like, technically. Alice I hate the quibble to Rob. Yeah. Calls him Bob. Not yeah. the first time he's called Bob. <laughs> Her first and last boyfriend. I gotta go now, Bob. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> you know what I'm surprised at, though, is that he um, he's actually happy that she, you know, immediately married kevin like she was fine now she was happy i have admittedly had this happen more times than i love but like i'll date someone or whatever and then like immediately after they end up like meeting and and dating and marrying that person or whatever it's like you know it's like he's just (laughs) a much different reaction i wasn't exactly happy at the time can i make it depressing kayla sure there's literally a dane cook movie about that yeah i know my friends call me the female good luck chuck uh, James, what's track five? Uh, before I get to track five, um, 
I think from his perspective, it's just like, well, that was clearly fated to be. So I'm like off the hook or something. Yeah. Or, or whatever. And I'm glad he had yeah. that reaction. That's no actually one is fated to be with that Larry Bird looking little shit. <laughs> yeah. And then he decides. I mean, they moved to Australia. I feel great. For them. I need more of this. I'm going to have an imaginary conversation with the boss about how I'm going to go down memory lane and talk to my, all my old exes and figure out why they broke up with me. When it's I like, it seems pretty it. obvious in each instance, but yeah. Um, do, you, um, do you know who was originally he wanted for that role? Yes, Bob oh, Dylan, God. which doesn't, that doesn't so make glad. sense to me at all. Like uh, Dylan means so little to me compared to really? what Bruce Springsteen means to me. Oh, what, compared opposite. to what Bruce Springsteen means to me? Well, to me, it's, mm-hmm. it's more just like, I, I, I Bob, or Bruce Springsteen seems like he's kind of like willing to be in on the joke of appearing in a movie like this. And kind of be like, you yeah, should do that, Bob man, Dylan. while he plays guitar. Whereas, like, if it was Bob Dylan, that would just, I, I feel like the energy would be weird and different. You know? Yeah, I could see that. Like, Bruce Wing well, seems so, like a little bit more cheesy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. How Better, dare you? Yeah. Self-aware. Yeah. And cheesy? How dare you? Also, Bruce Springsteen was in John Cusack's phone book. They knew each other. <laughs> that was achievable. But uh, Bob Dylan exists to me with exactly two songs. Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35. And Lay, 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 Lay. Okay. After that, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what Bob Dylan's doing. All right. Well, track five is Commissioning the Symphony in C by Cake off of Comfort Eagle. Wow. You live Great album. Mm-hmm. All right. That's number five from, from James. Mm-hmm. All right. So All right. this is when Rob goes and meets up with Alison Ashmore, who is great. She's like... like a- wait, wait, wait. Are we going to... Completely go over the uh, the second most quoted line that I do from uh, um, High Fidelity. Go for it. You feel good, maybe. She'll feel or good. They, they feel good, maybe, yeah. but you feel good. Yeah. I love how he points that out. Like, even in his imagined cover, you know, conversation, he knows on some level it's benefiting him more than it yeah. is them. I'll probably. feel better. <laughs> they'll feel better. It's interesting. It seems like they'll yeah, feel they better, might. maybe. She'll feel better. They might feel better. Yeah. Well, we find out pretty immediately that uh, Penny did not feel better after that interaction. Penny, so goes Penny. Uh, other than the fact that she's apparently single, she seems like she's got everything she wants in life. You know, well, the, yeah. the, the truest description of anything in this movie is when he calls Penny unassailably cool. <laughs> she's a movie reviewer. She's like, it, it seems like they're like, getting along well like you could almost see some rekindling here until he's just like how why'd you sleep with that one dude and she's no, like i was practically raped yeah he's he's trying to chat her up during the movie and then he complains that she has her flashlight pen for notes because she's a film critic she's fucking working mm-hmm. and he's like upset about that also a movie talker no. Yeah, what the fuck? No. Come on, Maybe John. you've both seen it a bunch of times and you can comment on it while you're watching it, but not in the fucking movie theater. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Penny Hardwick, man, she fucking... I feel like this has been glossed over in my memory. Like, or I just did not... The impact... I'm so sorry. The impact of this did not fucking hit me in the 25 years. just like, well, I was prior. crazy about you and I wanted to sleep with you someday, but not when I was 16. <laughs> and then when you, oh, you yeah. broke up with me, you broke up with me. Because I was to use your charming expression, tight. I cried and I cried and I hated you. When that little shitbag asked me out, and I was too tired to fight him off. It wasn't rape because I said it was okay, but it wasn't far off. And Rob's just like, "Huh, wow." And yeah. then immediately makes it about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like none of that resonates with him at all. He really well, should have like, gotten a, a drink to the face at the end of this. Yeah. Thing. Well, he's like, I should have done this years ago. Yeah, he, he should have paid for her therapy. It honestly. doesn't. She should have been like, "Here's a bill." 
Yeah. Like the at the conclusion of that like monologue from her, he and she leaves, and he's just like, "Wow, okay, another one off the list." Like he's like just yeah. completely like yeah. not phased at all by like what she's just told him. It's yeah, a goddamn miracle she's doing as well as she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Also, there's some jazz noise in this background of this restaurant. I mean, the only thing I can hope is that that's some sort of catharsis for her, and she's like, you know able to um maybe reconcile cath- some of that and move on yeah. a bit does that seem cathartic like not maybe not cathartic maybe she gets but, to tell him off yeah well yeah and you know she he's been a villain in her well in her memory for so long so actually seeing that and being able to express your feelings and tell him what the fuck happened in your own words like that must have felt good on some level maybe not immediately but um i think it's good and maybe she went to therapy after that and lived happily ever after i just want what's best for penny yeah He'll feel he'll feel good maybe, but she'll feel good eventually. Uh, he's he is unfazed. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to that speed us rough. up here a little bit because we've been going for like two hours so far. <laughs> Only forty five minutes <laughs> in the movie, but uh, he holds up the picture of Charlie and he's just like, "Too soon, not quite ready for that." <laughs> I love how he still has a picture of his little girlfriend. Yeah. He goes to see um, Lily Taylor, and it's like she's kind of just as sad and depressing as always. Also, she's dressed like Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> she's talking about her medication that she's on and whatnot and i just like I love how she like manically just grips his hand yeah and he's just like leaving later <laughs> and he's just like i could have had sex back there but wouldn't be having sex with her it'd be like a whole depressed you know single person lifestyle sad single culture so i've been sleeping with yeah yeah I, that was I, only I do, charlie left i do like that uh that take he has it's at least a little bit more self-aware at least he didn't sleep with her i guess well and also the 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 thing you think you want is not what you want. Cause she's just like, she's straight up. Like, I don't know why I left you for that guy. Like he was horrible or whatever. And it's like, it means nothing to him. And it's like, I'm sure some part of him thought if I ever hear that, like I'll be, I'll be fixed. I'll be cured. But no. And then like, he finds Charlie in the phone book and she's just like, she's in the fucking phone book. She'd be <laughs> living in Neptune. Books. She's an extraterrestrial, a myth, not a person in a phone book. <laughs> Yeah, so he calls her, leaves a message, expecting not to hear back from her. And then we get to see some of Jack Black's uh, apparently a good salesman here as he's just like following this dude around the record store, kind of like bullying him into being like, oh, my God, you don't have this. You have to have this. And just like loading well, like them up the, with a ton of albums. Upselling them from Echo and the Bunnymen to Jesus and Mary Chain. They always seem they always seem pretty fucking great is what they always seemed. <laughs> and then Sarah Gilbert, who I don't think she's really in the dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe she not. Is. Yeah, she's not later. She's not into dick. Uh, yeah, he plays. Her little meat cute is is adorable though. He plays the stiff little fingers, and then some other girls just like, "Is this the new Green Day?" And they're all like, "Ha ha ha, we're cooler <laughs> than her because we know the the Green Day's influences." Yeah, we're in on the joke. The only thing that like would have made the Bob Dylan cameo great to me is just like, "You don't own Blonde on Blonde." This is fucking obscene. <laughs> I love the expression Jack Black makes, like this weird smile he gets when he holds it up. Also, this is the glory days, the halcyon days, when you could walk out of the record store after spending like 200 fucking dollars on albums. Well, he just straight up hugs this guy who he's giving all these albums to. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and then Rob and just like ultimate, like, I don't know, this, this, he, he, I know he thinks he's cool here. He seems like a little bit of a tool to me oh, when he's, he's like, himself. I will now sell five copies of the three EPs by the beta band. And like, he's just kind of like slowly rocking out to it, like nodding his head. That's the beta band. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. I know. <laughs> Who's this? Yeah. yeah. 
up to the I know, I was like, okay, that's that's an attractive quality. He's really good at what he does. He really knows this. But then he's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, maybe a step too far. Maybe so a step too far over the line of overconfidence. The Skater Boys, See You Later Boys. Yeah, the movie turns into Empire Records up, here for five seconds. Yeah, exactly. One of them is, is straight up dressed like Charlie Brown. Yeah, I know. I wrote that too with a fucking like um, leopard hair. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that font. I mean, not fondly, but I remember that vividly, I should say. When he's like seeing oh what they God. stole and being like, he's stealing for other people. And like, Yo, you're so bigoted, man. <laughs> well, the fact that like he can still manage to neg people's taste through shoplifters. <laughs> I love a little bit of foreshadowing, you know, the magazine about home recording. Yeah, this movie has like got a lot of awkward foreshadowing, you know, like your father's angina. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I did just watch gross point blank recently too when you guys covered it and you know there's some foreshadowing in there so i'm like maybe it's a theme that he does <laughs> yeah so he then laura meets him after work they go back to his place and they finally have like an actual conversation where he isn't just being incredibly petulant the entire time um but this is where you know they discuss ian and that she hasn't slept with him yet and i think this is also where she's like giving him like a nine percent chance maybe or something like that yeah. I just like the the like where he like offers her back some of I Raymond's mail. Just like stick it to her like I know. I know. Yeah. And the 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 you know she's like this is hard for me. He's like good. <laughs> yeah. But again, they have that that openness and that honesty and even though it's, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable. But I mean, to talk about you, that like they're at least at that level, you know, to go there. I mean like Dare I say Jerry Seinfeld was right? Like you should rip it off like a band-aid one motion, right off. But like that's not really how breakups work. And so it's like you do have that conversation. We're like, oh, this is hard for me. Good. It should be. It's hard for me. You have those conversations. Sometimes. But yeah, then we we get the uh we haven't slept together yet. Oh yeah. Yet that three letter word that uh, he's so excited by that that he goes on. right out and he sleeps with Marie DeSalle. Yep. He's so proud about it. Not hypocritical at all. Well, I just thought the next all. morning he's like, "You're probably wondering how a guy like me nailed a girl like her." I mean, I could see it, but <laughs> yeah, not just in in plot device. There are um, two hot people fucking. It kind of makes the sort of sense. Yeah, um, but I love it. They they have kind of like the hotter people version of his conversation of Lily Taylor, like. Like, talk, like bonding over like their exes and like the getting your stuff phase and she's like oh here's this is what one of my horrible songs was written about was like dividing our record collection with my ex yeah um, she's one of my favorites I want to hear her characters in the movie really like her and her you know her point of view her whole vibe I dig it and then uh, Rob's like a while back Dick Barry and I agreed that what really matters is what you like not what you are like Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow, but it's the fucking truth. And by this measure, I was having one of the best dates of my life. Which is, I think, something that was really cool to me when I was very, very young. Yeah. Then I realized that this, this may be maybe not a, a wrong way to look at things. Yeah, I don't know if I really agree with that now. Like, I, I think if if your whole relationship is just based on, like, taste and media, like, I think there's, you're going to eventually find some limits there. It's Yeah, it's very superficial. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, if the best thing about me is that I like PLL and Cruel Summer, that's pretty fucking sad, right? <laughs> um, so we see later in the day that they're bonding over Patrick McGowan and the prisoner, and I was like, shit, that's me. Um, 
never on a date though, but that's me. And then talking about their exes. Um, and he's like, like, like he invented a sketch of a deep and sensitive guy and he quote unquote, because I'm in the position to invent him. Oof. Telling. But then she kind of <sighs> turns it around and she's just like, you know, I'm not going to let all that low stuff get in the way of a good fuck. And he's just like, Oh, okay. Well, and I think part of it is like in his head, he's saying, Oh, you know, I, I acted this way and I had this, you know, this, um, persona, but I would love to see it from her perspective. Cause I think that she was after that probably the whole time and doing her own thing as well. And like, we don't get to see that side of it's it. It's really just a matter of like, is he like, can he keep his food out of his mouth through the, the rest of the night you know, <laughs> until yeah. they get down? Or is it more like oh. she decided that she, you know, it was going to happen and, and it did mm-hmm. no matter what he said that it, as long as he didn't say anything too uh, outrageous, I guess. Maybe she was going to fuck some rando. Maybe she was going to fuck Barry. She was never, ever going to fuck Dick ever. Maybe she's going to fuck Rob. I mean, whatever. She goes got options, but like the worst thing about Marie DeSalle is her bedroom area. It's just a bunch of hanging picture frames, roughly in the shape of a bedroom. I, this makes me confident saying that shabby chic is a crime. <laughs> so uh, we're not doing top moments, but if we were the, uh, I haven't seen evil dead two yet scene would definitely be up there. <laughs> it's, it's one of those like burned into my mind type of scenes that I end up quoting constantly. The word do we not yet, talk about? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> do we not want to talk about Marie DeSalle's ex and what he's called? Uh, his name is James. <gasps> mm-hmm. That's right. It was called James, was I believe, James. is what she yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her whole delivery uh, there is great. Um, at the record store, Rob is asking the wrong dudes in the absolute wrong way what this means. Yeah, I think he knows what it means. He just wants some sort of validation, but doesn't have a great sounding board. No, Rob, what do you think? <laughs> like he needs Liz. She's you know she's sleeping it, but... at the dude's house. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love how they both slept with someone else on that night. Well, and like know, he goes out and sleeps with Ian. Rita Sal, but he's still going to be mad if she slept with Tim Robbins. I don't know. Whatever. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Because, you know, um, it's supposed to be pure and virginal. In the words of trivia, like uh, in the Hungarian cut, they cut about Reservoir Dogs instead, which I guess is a reference in the book. I couldn't care less about Reservoir Dogs. So I'm glad that they, this is not the Hungarian so cut. funny and violent. Yeah. They had the whole discussion <laughs> about making bread a shotgun ammo in the 14th century. Well, just the well, it would mean to me that you're a liar. You've seen it twice once of Laura, oops, and once of me and Dick, remember? <laughs> yeah, like he's just missing the point entirely. I would, and I like, is it intentional? Is it unintentional? I want to know. I would argue that this may be Jack Black's finest scene in the movie and also the most Seinfeldian of them all. I have to disagree on, on the best scene only because he sings later and I love it. Okay, okay. So he goes to meet up with Laura after work and it's just immediately after hounding her. Yeah. After hounding her to meet up and it is immediately just like, she's like, how are you? And he's like, have you slept with them yet? And she's just like, what do you want me to say? You know, she's like, I want you to say yeah. you haven't. I want that to be the truth. And she's like, well, I can't. And then he just like storms well, 24 off. hours later. It's almost like he like pushed her to fuck Ian and it's going to crucify her for it. And she's just like uh, which, so much more mature about the whole thing than he is. She really, also, really is. We've talked about uh, Toby and Caleb. What's Ian like? <laughs> huh? Ian? Yeah. Oh my God. 
It's he, sort of like that's the first time I've I've come twelve times in one night. So I feel like he has um, the kit that Seth Green had and can't hardly wait. The pleasure like, chest, the candle. Like mm-hmm. he has a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Probably make up for the fact that he's. Um, I'm gonna say probably selfish and uh, just not not great. It's more performative than it is. Um, Definitely lighting some candles. Oh, he's lighting candles. He's doing. He probably has those candles that double as like massage oil. Mm. Um, mm. He has some of that stuff going on for sure. Okay, do you remember the weird rope slash string thing that like Train Bell Sario and Janelle Parrish were in? Uh, aerials. They were like oh the aerials. The aerials. Yeah, I feel like Ian's doing that, both sex swings. Oh, he definitely has a sex wing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I feel like I, he even has more kinks than that, for sure. I feel like he's probably a horrible person, but like he might be more invested in her pleasure than Rob ever was. And he's like tantric or something. Oh, I could definitely like see sting thing. Yeah, he's definitely a sting thing. Maybe, but Rob mentioned he's kind of insecure about it, so maybe he tries harder. I don't know. Or he, I don't know or if he insecurity always leads to trying harder. Not yeah. always. Yeah. Not always. He's very self-involved. Mm-hmm. He, if, probably, if, he probably if, is the kind of guy who like does foreplay early and then just kind of gets lazy about it later. I was say if Rob Gordon does cunnilingus at all, I'd almost be shocked. I think he would, but wouldn't um you know he's like uh later, I guess. he's like tonguing out his top five something <laughs> of cunnilingus. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> he calls yeah. her later and she's just like, he couldn't have been entirely unprepared, you know, for that. He's it's like he's been crying. He's been out in the rain again. I do love the song that's playing though. Um, I love I Tim Robbins popping in with his like sauce to be like, yeah. I need a second opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like you think back to where Rob is saying awful food smells, it's like, what the fuck does that taste like? Yeah. I know. yeah. <laughs> Way too much like oregano, probably, or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just like um, Prego, you know, the stuff you get in a jar, and you just like, hey, just how does this taste? Oh, oh, the hell out of it, yeah. You think he's just, I don't even think he's gazing her? it. I think he's probably just trying to play it off like his own. <laughs> you think he's like doing a gatsby on her? I don't know. I, I get the feeling that this guy like boils a lot of cabbage or something, you know. Oh, yeah. oh, wretched. wretched. Well, like when they um when they're eating dinner later, it looks like a Mediterranean spread. Like it looks like there's dolmatas and stuff like that. So I think it's um yeah, I think Oh, I think the words bit. Turkish delight have been said in this household. Yeah. Yeah. He really wants to be worldly, but he is not. Yeah. So, he really wants to be actually, you know who done. this is means nothing to ninety nine point nine percent of the people listening to this. James, do you remember who you know who Ian is? He's uh, our friend Mac. But like ten years in the future, yeah, I kind of see that. Yeah, it's like this guy who just like he's nothing, he's nobody, but he like pretends he went away into like the the Bruce Wayne trip oh, around yeah, the like world, weird came affectations back of worldliness. Yeah, yeah, that he got off the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, so Rob gets Rob Ian's number. called information to get the number and the address of Ian, so he can go <laughs> to a phone booth outside his place and call at rain. all hours of the night like a creep. There's just like some as real psycho to, shit here. As they're listening to sitar music. So they're all psychos. <laughs> um, like some part of her has to know, you know, if, it's like if she was really going to, if she was really serious about leaving him, she wouldn't have gone for Tim Robbins, you know, like she would have gone for someone else. It just else. makes me think of when Hermione took that one dude to like the Christmas uh, 
party or whatever just to piss Ron mm-hmm. off. It's just like it's like she picked that dude for a reason, not because she was necessarily into him. <laughs> yeah, no, he he serves a purpose mm-hmm. for her for sure, and uh, I think that's absolutely the kind of guy that you choose to just serve a purpose. <laughs> well, like you have two fascinating moments here when she's on the phone of Rob. And she hears the same siren on his side of the phone call. She hears outside. But then also at the same time, which makes him look bad, of course. It makes him look creepy. But he's like chastising uh, 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 Ian Steven Seagal ponytail. And she has to turn down the karate picture where it's clearly on display. <laughs> oh, and then he does the thing where he's kind of like tenting his hands and being like, maybe I should talk to him. Conflict resolution is my job. And she's like, I don't think that'd be a good idea. Oh, my God. This guy. Meanwhile, Rob's in the spring outside, hacking up a lung as he should be. Well, then Liz once after this, he probably gained, he probably loses another fifteen pounds. Yeah, yeah. Liz yeah. once again the absolute voice of reason, just being like, "You need to stop doing this. You're you're creating a unit out of them by being such a weird creep." Yeah. You know, and then I, I think this is where she find, like drops like some real wisdom on here. Like, just like ask yourself this: Why do you want Laura back so badly? And he's just like, "Huh." And he never. Yeah. Super answers it. No, he doesn't. I think he, he uh, kind of, he's, he's like top five things I miss about her. I feel like he's at least, his brain is a little bit heading, heading in that direction, you know. It is. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he can't provide an immediate answer says a lot. That really speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to really like start over from Natasha Gregson Wagner. Come on. Um, so then, yeah, so then, then Charlie calls. Bonjour. <laughs> And she's like, you're not going to be one of those guys. He's like, what does it all mean? And he's like, oh, no. Well, I, I just thought the, uh, I'm not making this up. This is how she actually talks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so fascinated with it at first and then like immediately turns on it. Well, but that, I love how like, she calls it out. Like she recognizes it. She smells his bullshit. I like that about her. But the way that she's also like, do you remember Marco? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, kind I think of. I do yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So she's all for being friends, but doesn't really like play catch up. Is he in? I I have a lot of questions about post dinner party. Like, what is the Charlie and Rob vibe before he ruins it? Well, she's getting his jacket, so I don't like if he. You think she's like shown in the door? Yeah, yeah. She okay. when she comes over to him, she's holding his jacket, being like, "Here you go." It wasn't like we're gonna like the rest of them are gone maybe we're like stretch well, the party out since, longer type thing especially since he doesn't say a fucking word during this dinner party too they're well, not they're clearly not vibing again i think the um self-fulfilling prophecy he feels on the outside and he also puts himself on the outside he doesn't really try to engage at all he just makes like kind of a snap judgment mm-hmm. of these people right and just decides okay well it's it's them and then there's me and yet my question is is this also the first time he sees Charlie clearly? It is. It is. So maybe that, that maybe. gives him a chance to see I'm that. I'm not entirely sure if he is though, because Charlie, for all his talk of like how she like has no sense of humor or anything like that. Like she, when, when he's just like, why'd you break up with me, Charlie? Which is like, I love his delivery. And she's just like, <laughs> fuck, I knew it. I knew it. And so like, she seems much more <laughs> self-aware maybe than he has given her credit for. I think it's, I think the main thing for him though, is she didn't live up to um, the idea that he built up in his head of her. And so therefore it's, it's on her and uh, she failed mm. the test. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then he comes out of the office uh, in, in the record store. And of course there's Tim Robbins and he's like, hello, Rob. You remember me, Ray? 
Ian. This whole, is, this whole fucking scene, if we were doing top scenes. Oh, this would, this this would be number nerds. one. The, <laughs> like I stopped all that nose, you this the morning. sunglasses, the four earrings, the ponytail. Yeah. Like, just the, the amount of fun that and delight that Tim Robbins must have been having on this movie. I would love like one-tenth of that yeah. to be in my like, life. Like the... Uh, I know how hard it would be the pain you're going through, especially if I lost Laura. His beeper goes off, and he's like, "Oh, guess, guess who?" who? <laughs> you see so Rob just like, like tightening his fist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then the the multiple oh different so you know Rob's imaginings how it goes. Like he tells him off, or he almost <laughs> you know charges him. I love the one where Dick just like just goes nuts and like punches out his teeth with a phone, and then drops an air conditioner on. Him. The only my only flaw of this movie, like biggest flaw and all, is there's a really bad angle where you can see that their feet are blatantly not connecting <laughs> with Tim Robbins's body. I mean, it's fine. I think that makes it even better though. All the blood on his face. Yeah, come out like it's very, it's very overdone. Well, Dick's just like ending nah, of clue like, with Rob's like fantasies. Yeah, Dick like grabs the air conditioner like like they're just gonna murder Ian right there. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we've talked about the Charlie party and now here we are at the Charlie party. Mm-hmm. We've already covered it. Oh yeah. Um, this dinner party oh, is uh, degrees away from having like continuing with like, Oh, that's Knox Harrington, the video artist. Definitely. And I definitely don't want to skip over the fucking silk shirt that he's wearing. Seriously. What the fuck is this shirt that he's wearing? What is she wearing? She so has the most bizarre, the like translucent top thing going on. Like, I don't know. It's, that's a little, I mean, I feel like, Catherine Zeta Jones can obviously pull that off. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. like that's just the type of person who Charlie is. It's probably something that she got while she was overseas. Some designer saw her and made it for her. Like I just feel like that's her life, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she meanwhile, just seems that cool. Not to build up an idea of her in my head, but I just see that for her. Rob is wearing a swinger shirt. Well, and he's like, what Oh, I'm fu- not a class warrior, but you know, like I wish I had these people's opinions and money. Yeah. Can we just talk again about how Michael Douglas did an interview where he actually said that he got throat cancer from all the cunnilingus he's done? Yeah, way to put that on on her vagina. Mm-hmm. Her vagina gave her given cancer. Well, I, I don't think it's even her vagina. I think he's just saying over my lifetime, <laughs> the immense amount of pussy that I've like chomped on has like led my throat to being like cancerous. Way that's, to go, man. That's one way to to brag about your conquests. What an ally. Not in science right? class, but to the world. What a fucking ally. Um, I just, I don't know. This, talk about things that I quote a lot. When uh, she asked him something, he's just like, yes, I am. Very much. Indeed so. I have responded to that many times. Yeah. She's like, why'd you dump me, Charlie? Also, everyone take note. Marco just seemed a bit more... Actually, one of you read this line. Marco seemed more glamorous. Thank you. More sure of himself. Thank you. Less hard work. Yep. Sunnier. Sparkier. Yep. Um, you know, at the record store, with the handwritten note, hip young gunslingers wanted. Must be into GBH, Primal Scream, Warp, Palehead, etc. Contact Barry in the store. Um, which uh, GBH used to have charge in front of their letters, but they stand for grievous bodily harm. Hmm. So the guy who shows up looks like he was probably once upon a time the coolest guy in Soundgarden. I just love that when he leaves, he like does like the hang like you know, hang loose like it's like his like Chud Nelson his, in, in uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's just like his like exit gesture. It's like wow, what a cool yeah. dude. Yeah. Well, like it plays like he's hitting on Barry. 
I mean, there a is little a little bit. bit of them, like, in the corner, Dick and Rob, like, snickering and being like, oh, look at that. He's talking to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, hey, it's half past a monkey's ass. Let's go. It's, oh, he does the thing where he just, like, writes the number on the magazine that he's reading. Well, and this is all just setting up. Like, I guess at the time, it was, like, maybe if he didn't know who Jack Black was, the fact that he actually can sing at the end is, like kind of like a twist almost you know it's like yeah we've yeah this was before tenacious d a little bit i think i think tenacious d was like concurrent but like they weren't they're like very underground yeah Yeah. Yeah. they weren't as well known as they are now they didn't have a movie and fuck her gently yet yeah and so like he's like given barry a hard time because barry has a date he can't join them and he's like what's her name or anna anaconda (laughs) anna moss is she green That's great, Dick. Really, smoke that ass. <laughs> Their whole thing is cute, though. And the fact that Rob's, look, you know, looking at it like uh, the beginning, you know, and how um, rose-colored that whole period he's is. He's, like, watching them across the street. He's, like, Dick hugs Anna. And he's thinking, mm, well, I, I don't think that lasts. I, I, I also feel like it's a little <laughs> bit like Dick has a girlfriend now. Barry maybe is about to, like, start a band. Like, my... My little geese are like going to, you know, leave the nest here all of a sudden. Like, yeah. and you're just like the sad bastard loser who's still bitter. You know, it's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you need to start taking stock of your own life there, Rob. Barry's yeah, just had a bike curious encounter of a guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like it when Laura changes, but, you know, when his, when his bros change, he's, he's totally fine with that and, uh, you know, contemplating his own journey. Well, he gets home. Laura has Since come over to just build his ego up, basically. Like, she does not have to do this, but she's like, I don't know, a better person than Rob is. <laughs> she's reading his like top five, like you know, occupations or careers or whatever that he wish he could have. Yeah, well, just the, the way he sees her shit and just recognizes, "Hi, Laura," before he comes mm-hmm. around the, the, the corner. Well, and she kind of goes yeah. through them all, and how they're all sort of ridiculous, and like it's like just in a certain period and place and time and whatnot. And it's like architect is on there. And she's like, would you rather, you know, own a record store or be an architect? And he's like, I'd own a record store. She's like, all right, well, we're going to like cross off this. Like, look at that. You've got your top five dream job, you know, like maybe don't be such a, you know, pathetic complainer. Yeah. Rob's like, I'm Art Vandalay. <laughs> yeah, I love like, the, the film director, any kind except German or silent. All of his, all of his dream jobs are based around getting free records. <laughs> I do love that whole exchange that they have. You know, when he was asking, is it, is it Ray or is it Ian? It's, oh, oh, it's Ray. I hate, I hate Ian. Yeah, yeah I hate me too. Ian too. <laughs> and she, yeah, she chuckles. I'm sure. She chuckles because he's a clever boy. He is. Probably one of the things that, you know, drew her to him. But they, this is the first glimpse of the Thank idea that know. Rob potentially, potentially has ambition. He potentially could get a shit somewhat together. She eventually leaves. Oh, this is this yeah. is like the kind of the turn in the movie where now it's top five things I miss about Laura. He's actually like yeah. thinking about her as a person and not just mad about the fact that she left. Imagine that. Misses her smell, the way she tastes. You know, it's a mystery of human chemistry. I don't understand. Some people just feel like but dot dot dot. That's oh. one of the things that is like always stuck with me in my brain, just when it comes to relationships and whatnot. You know, Pheromones. mystery of human chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. it's great and just like the little thing you know before she goes to bed that little thing that she does she like rubs her that feet together like, feet yeah. moans, yeah, moans yeah. a little bit and then rubs her feet together an equal amount of times like just you know so he does notice some things about her yeah 
maybe don't keep that fucking secret, Rob. But also then he's like, yeah, I could go into like top five things I hate about her, but you know, it's just garden variety women's schizo stuff. It's yeah. like, okay. The same things you hate about all you, women. <laughs> you, just, yeah, you were so you close. Like you were so yeah. close. And then you just. I just wrote. It right up. Is this maturing? Yeah. He has the encounter <laughs> with the skaters outside where he like tries to just haul off and hit one of them with his bag. Maggots. Yeah. Also, you see them. You're walking right into them. I almost don't feel bad. They skated into you. Yeah, really. And don't they have like half pipes out and shit? Yeah, they got like yeah. a jump and everything. And then they, yeah. he goes inside and he's like, what the fuck is this music? It's actually good. You know, it's like the those little skate fuckers music. Yeah. Which, uh, skate fuckers. I guess it's good. I don't know. It sounded like garbage to me, but. Well, also the fact that they just, they put it on. I love it. They put it on just to ridicule it. And then they like, fuck them. It was good. Well, he goes, yeah. They can at least admit begrudgingly that it's good instead of just hating it because they hate them. Yeah. And he goes out to offer to produce their EP and. Barry is with Jack or with, I don't want to call him Jack. Um, he's with Rob for this and like quite offended by the fact that Rob wants to produce their EP and like not do anything with him. I love the thing where he's like 50 50 split after he recruits Spence's and the one guy is just like, sure. And you get, like get yourself a Mercedes. And he goes, We're not there yet, Justin. I'm Vince. <laughs> <laughs> the kinky wizards. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, back inside the sort, Barry is like, What the fuck? He can't believe that Rob would, would, won't do business with him. And Ron gives him shit. I love that he gives him shit. She's like, what do your songs sound like again? <laughs> oh, you want to be a flu- uh, for influence? They're mostly, mostly German. German. <laughs> Kraftwerk, Falco, Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. <laughs> and then this is like, the movie's like taking a turn maybe towards Rob gaining some self-reflection. But then Laura calls and she's like, my dad died. And it's just like a massive bailout for Rob. It's like, man, he lucked yeah. into that one. Like what would have happened if yeah. her dad didn't die? <laughs> such a plot device yeah i wonder that too you know would it have been you know even longer breakup process before they got together would they have not gotten back together so there was i I used to watch blackish and there was like it's a pretty happy you know family kind of story and then there's like a four episode arc well like they're about to end like like there's it's pretty fucking depressing like especially Mm -hmm. since they've been like cosby show happy the whole thing and then they're fucking saved by the high fidelity i call it the high fidelity ending where it's like her dad died and he's like familiar to her. They go to the funeral and the, the whole family's saved. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing in the title episode where it starts to go bad is called Blue Valentine's. But oh, in my it? head, I was like, Blue Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Me of that. But Good I just show. I thought Rob's like, Laura's dad died. Barry's like, that sucks. And he finishes the burrito. <laughs> well, what? Then he's like top five songs about death, tribute list, Laura's dad. Like, I love that. Like, that's their way of processing it. You know? Also, Leader of the not pack. bad. La- the last choice is you can't always get what you want. That makes sense. Disqualify. Which uh, Dick immediately disqualifies because it falls in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never actually seen all of. I've never seen I've never that movie. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll i agree with Dick on this point. <laughs> I love how like Dick, I can't remember something by like Gordon Lightfoot and uh, Barry's just like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah. 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 Gordon Lightfoot's the fucking man. Um, my my hey hey is on that list. By I mean, Neil Young? Songs about, yeah. Okay. Songs about death. Oh, is it time for mm-hmm. another? Uh, have a, Tell the Truth, Parts 1 and 2 by Early Mart, track 6. Nice. Yeah, it has been a while since we had track mm-hmm. 5. So Laura's like, I want you to come to the funeral. My dad liked you, whatever. As uh, Rob is doing his whole, like, the night Chicago died, but the night Laura's dad died. <laughs> 
<laughs> and China's tough, I think, is one of the lyrics in there. Brother, and what that he, it was. He just what rips his song was. and then fucking Rob just comes and it's like fucking stop. Just shakes him. Like throttles him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh the funeral of Rob gets the top songs, you know. He he really has a fantasy about a beautiful teary-eyed woman singing here the best thing that ever happened to me, Gladys Knight. But who would that woman be? He asks us at the funeral for Rora's dad. Yeah, he makes the entire fucking funeral. He has like one moment. You can see a look in his eyes where he's maybe coming to some realization of like, okay, this is some real shit. But then immediately it's it's back to just all about him. Well, and then like, that would like it kind me. of sound cuts out and it's just Laura crying. There's like no other background noise at all. It's just like, listen to this woman wail. Well, I mean, oh, it's like, fucking rough. That's real. Yeah. What fascinates me is the way that this ends up, considering the blocking of this, is that there's Laura for family, as she should be, bawling uncomfortably loudly. Where is Rob? Like, like rows and rows back. Yeah. Nowhere near her. And I do I kept thinking, like, she's, he's the guy that she fucks later? Really? And I do want to point out, though, that she mentioned she didn't tell her parents that they had split up. Yeah. So... To, to her mom's knowledge, you know, her serious boyfriend like, who lives with her is sitting, not sitting with her. Yeah. Like, that's fucked. It was her dad. Her dad likes. Am, am I a terrible person for seeing uh, Laura's little sister here and just being like, hey, Rob, you know, if it doesn't work out with Laura, <laughs> little sister's pretty oh, hot. Oh, no. no. The sister's super hot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just love that at the wake or whatever, Laura's sister ignores Rob to talk to Liz and they talk shit about him. He's like, no, I'm fine. It's just, just so hard when you put all your efforts oh into one God. area of your life. <laughs> well, just the, I can't go and apologize in my whole life. And Liz is like, I think just the once will do. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, it's, you get the impression that like, yeah, Rob has probably never actually apologized to Laura for anything. No, no, no. absolutely not. He just makes it, you know, even when he's admitting what an asshole he is for those four reasons, he still turns it back around on her. So he goes outside in the rain, and of course, fucking Bob Dylan is playing. It's, it's gotta like being that rain at night, man. It's yeah. like it's like on one hand, instead of the angel, there's Bruce Springsteen on your shoulder. On the other shoulder, there's Bob Dylan fucking wailing of his <laughs> gross ass at you. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. he's just walking down the street in the rain to sit at a bus stop. What the fuck, man? What's your what's your end game here? He would rather be there than at a funeral I, dealing yeah. with real emotions. I do love his line here about how he's like, oh, I guess it made more sense to commit to nothing, keep my options open. And that's suicide by tiny, tiny increments. He's, he's yeah, he slowly fucking comes there. starting to get the idea that like, if nothing else, like, dude, how old are you now? Like, you know, like yeah. yeah, still trying to live the rock and roll been- lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the most tangential way possible. Like you're you you run a record store. Mm-hmm. You're not even a DJ anymore, which is even still more tangential to music. Um but Laura pulls up, he actually hides behind the bus. <laughs> like falls in the is, mud behind the fence, yeah. yeah. He dives <laughs> over a fence at one point. If I was Laura, she's like she basically like gets in the car and is like, I need to have sex with you to distract myself. But like, can you maybe go take a shower first? Just yeah, you're covered yeah. in mud right now. <laughs> Just stand outside the rain, let the, <laughs> let the mud wash off of your gross body for a moment. Also, in this especially, at some point. she looks so much like young Patricia Arquette to me. Oh, scene. yeah. I can see that. I can see that, too. I didn't, didn't know that on the first watch, but yeah, I can see that now. But it's like he's totally um, bailed out. She's basically just like, I can't handle this grief. I'm going to drive to this place my dad used to take us, and I just want to have sex with somebody to get my mind off this grief. You'll do I guess we're back together. 
Like you just, oh. it's like you ran out the clock on me or something, you know? It's either that or I go home and put my hand in the fire. Unless you want to stub cigarettes in my arm, she says. I do love his retort, though, where he's like, yeah, I only have a couple and I'm saving for later. later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you know what? I definitely have a boner right now. So let's go. Yeah. Uh, and her whole thing about I knew there was a reason I wore a skirt today. <laughs> like, all right. In general, though, like this is a place that my dad and I used to come to. Fuck me. <laughs> Fuck me right here. It's maybe not the healthiest, but that's cool. That's cool. Um, so she climbs on top of him in the passenger seat and starts like kickboxing his dick. Um, there they pull up to his mom's house. I love that he's completely dry at this point. Like she fucked him dry. They maybe go to a hotel or something. Who knows? Yeah. Well, also, again, thesis of the movie. I'm too tired not to be with you. And, and he's later Romantic. he's later he's tired of the fantasy it's like yeah we're yeah, both I exhausted mean, just, with relationships let's just stay together well and just the the i'm sure there will be romance again at some point and i was just like is this turn of events real is this like rob's fantasy i mean i feel like it's a situation where this definitely happens, but not everybody articulates it. Like they're articulating it. Like some yep. people may think this in their head or may not even realize it at the time. It's the result. Actually, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost exposition, but not because they're having like, again, these open, honest conversations, yeah. you know, good or bad, wherever they're at they're they're talking about it. That's, you know, that's pretty big. I just, I can't wait for her to have then like lunch of Ian and she's like, I haven't slept with Rob again yet. And he's like, I mean, what does she even tell Ian? Look, it's not working. Sorry. Listen, Ian, you're a joke. <laughs> you get that, right? But you know, <laughs> you're that a clown. She got, you know, she only took one trip to get all of her shit out of from Ian's house. She didn't yeah. take yeah. three or four trips. She got it all at once. Probably well, had Liz help her and get out of there. It's the same thing at Rob's place, exactly. I mean, Laura's, Laura's a nomad. Good for Laura. <laughs> I feel like she would have eventually ended up like a head in Ian's fridge if she stayed there too long. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> fair. Yeah, I could see that. So Rob's at a diner. I, I don't. Something comical about the fact that Rob's like having like a hearty breakfast. He's like telling us how they got back together. <laughs> well, I feel like that. I feel like I read in the trivia that that was a big Chicago spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. Like, about there are a few. So, Supposedly he read the book and he was like, London means nothing to me, but every every item of significance in the book, I know exactly like the Chicago place where this would be. This is why it needs to be remade in Chicago. And it's like, that's cool. But like, as a viewer, this diner means nothing to me, which whatever I mean, you're in a diner. Unless you're from Chicago, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that it's not New York. Maybe I feel like mm-hmm. that might have been Isn't the, a more, a more like mainstream, I guess. Well, like, the show's in New York though, right? I, don't know. I think so. I watched a little bit of the first episode, but again, well, Kees- time is cool, a big Chicago like... guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a Chicago guy. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's telling the dish pizza. Thank you. Yeah. He's telling the camera everything's great except for some fucking reason. <laughs> and then cut to him at the uh, record store there. And then well, the, the, they they go out to dinner every night. They made love all the yeah. time. They talked about important issues. And the- oh, real quick, when they go out to dinner every night. The guy in the background, you can just see him for a second. He was the um, sheriff in True Blood. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, this, this... Head, head off, dick on. Jason. I was just going to say. <laughs> dick also, on. Like, is, this like a, is this a comment on Ian cooking all the time? Or is it the fact that neither Rob nor Laura can cook? <laughs> dick on, stack house. Yeah. 
uh, Nellie Wood's daughter here is like, excuse me, is this Stereo Lab? And also, you're skipping over the Marvin Gaye versus Art Garfunkel conversation. Sure, sure, sure. Just trying to move us along. Let's here. Get, it's almost three let's hours get already. Their, yeah, their song. Um, Natasha Gregson Wagner. There's no way he's getting a Natasha Gregson Wagner. But you can see how this is like this is clearly such a Rob girl. You know, she's got like the short hair. She's a music critic. It, yeah. He's like instantly into her. Her bangs aren't tragic. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then, like, I just love Barry being like, Rob, phone for you. And he's like, that's great. And he's like, it's your girlfriend. <laughs> he yells it. I do love that she calls him Bob, too. It's the second time he gets called Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's the uh, the flyer for I Saw My Mom's Wheelchair, which is the title track from the Skater Boys EP. See you later, boys. Um, the return of DJ Rob Gold- Gordon. This whole section feels idea. a little like maybe the movie should have ended by now. I don't know. It, it's almost like yeah, a yeah we're still going. Yeah. Felt kind of rushed. The only thing I really got from it is you know he sees this new, new shiny thing that comes in the record store, Caroline, and he just wants a reason to be mad at Laura to you well, know end it's it like, some sort of turmoil and like justify him going after her. Pat himself. He's like patting himself on the back for like not fucking this girl. Well, he's he's freaking yeah. out about the bare minimum. this, like yeah. you know, dance music for old people thing, and like it's like too much pressure for him or something like that. He's mad at Laura for like basically like trying to help make him a success. <laughs> you know? How dare you? Yeah. How dare you try and support me? What if I was doing something I couldn't cancel that night? Yeah, he says, <laughs> but like he's hitting play on their fucking EP. Like that's all he's doing. Yeah. Um, the the scene with Barrier, he's just like. I'll give you 10% of the door if you don't play. Oh, we're getting that anyway. 20%. Come on, Rob. We need the gig. 110%. Rob, called Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic fucking Death Monkey. Oh. Um, just to bring it back to fashion real quick, that collared rose shirt, I remember that. The one that Laura's wearing in the apartment. Mm. The whole conversation. I remember that shirt. It had, like, it's 15 minutes of fame. I love that they, <laughs> they had it featured in this movie. Nice. Uh, yeah, so then he tries to talk kinky, the Kinky Wizards into not coming to their own record release party. <laughs> well, um, and she kind of explains to him, like, look, you're just nervous because you've always been a, a critic and a professional appreciator of things, and now you're putting yourself out into the world, which he then immediately turns around and feeds that all to the reporter, Carolyn. And mm. and like he's like, oh, let's get back to the interview. What you know, like, what's your what's your top five? Uh, you know, Desert Island songs. He's like, let me make you a tape. Like he's he's yeah. working the angle again already. Well, he's like mm-hmm. he's like he's like dancing around to us. Like first of all, you're using someone else's poetry. Especially this is a delicate thing. Like he's like walking us through the seduction process here, and he yanks up the tape. And I don't know if this is like more meta than he realizes when he just yells, "When is this going to stop?" And it's like the uh, Patrick Bateman narrative has dropped away. And Laura's just like, when is what going to stop? And he's just like, oh, shit, my facade is cracking. But it's almost like Laura's aware that he's just like back to his fuckboy ways and just finds him amusing now or something. Yeah. yeah, she realizes it and she can see it in him and recognize it. And again, like the level of knowing someone that well, that's, you know. Which is why when he proposes to her, her she's like. You were just making a mixtape for that like reporter chick like two days ago. Yeah, calls him out on it, and you know has a very very cool attitude about it. So excuse me for not thinking you're the safest bet. So I love that he proposes and she fucking laughs. Yeah, I mean it's laughs in his face. It was it was just like maybe we should talk about marriage. It wasn't you know it's he's not exactly getting down on one knee or anything like that. 
Well, but yeah, just like, like, how would you feel about marrying yeah. me? I think he, you know, somewhat proposes. Well, like, the, like there's fantasies and they seem really great because there aren't any problems. And then I come home and you and I have real problems. You're real. And she's just like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Glad you finally realized mm-hmm. that. I'm tired yeah. of everything else, but I don't seem to ever really get tired of you. And she's like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is earlier when they were like, like having like the uh, rebound f- post funeral sex. And like, I love that. I think she's the one who says romance will come later. She is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess this is it. He has a whole thing. Or says I've been thinking with my gut since I was 14 years old. And I've come to the conclusion. My gut has shit for brains. <laughs> <laughs> I use that quote a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're at the record release party. Rob is DJing. Literally, he's playing, pressing play on the Kinky Wizards album. Calls up Vincent Justin, who are underage. Um, it's time for Barry Jive. The, most, the, pain, five. Yeah, the mm-hmm. most pained and underwhelmed intro to Barry's band. And Rob's like, or like Barry's like, Rob, thank you for the enthusiastic introduction. <laughs> We're on the verge of being called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I love in the background, you can see uh, Justin and Vince, you know. Skater fuckers, skate fuckers, uh, stealing shit in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, so, I guess it's like it's like a reveal, I guess, or whatever that like Jack Black is like just doing like a a really great rendition of "Let's Get It On." Like he's 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 going for it, you know. And like you totally you like you didn't know what to expect and what he's going to sing, and then it's just like boom, Marvin Gaye. I mean, speaking guy. of moves, that would work. That would work. <laughs> um, Dance music for the, old yeah. people. <laughs> not the Marvin Gaye song I would have put on, but yeah, yeah. They had another uh, one in mind, I think. And Jack Black like told him no. He was like, "That doesn't work for the scene." Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, it's like "Gotta Give It Up," I think maybe or. I, um, yeah, I think you're right. exactly right. See, okay, it's it's the song I would have picked. It's "You Ought to Be with Me." It might be Al Green. Never mind. Um, yeah, it's Al Green. So Dick is there with Anna confirming to me that they have no sex life. Um, Skater Boys watch this. Yeah, I think the one is bored as shit. The other is super into it. Back in Rob's apartment, he's still make, t- talking about make, making a great compilation tape, and it's all about like you do it in layers. But it's but he's like, um, this time I'm making it for music. I think she would like. <laughs> and it's like for Laura. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like literally the very very last scene, last like couple sentences of the movie, he finally comes to the conclusion. Oh, I should do stuff for her. Well, the, the, maybe this is the first time he's done for anyone that he's thought I should make a mixtape for music you might like instead of just a mixtape to some sort of like seduction practice or like expressing himself, you know, and yeah. making a tape for someone who he's put into a box yeah. and making speaking of which uh, for that person. track seven tech romance by her space holiday. So these are songs that are available to everybody, right? What are you talking about? You're not like showing off like a great array of knowledge of music. You're just saying. You, you're calling me basic. Is that what you're calling me? Like, I would should it be like a song that nobody's heard of that like you can't even get on iTunes or something? Is that like enough cred for you? Or I'm just saying you pull back the curtain and say this is something I like and you might like it too. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is this is my vast. As, as we all know, everybody listens to Her Space Holiday. Yeah. Hmm. At the time. Okay. They were the other postal service. Um, yeah, so I think when we talk about songs like Greatest Needle Drops, this Stevie Wonder song at the ending. No, I is, believe I can is, fall in love. Well, I believe when I fall in love, it'll be with you. Yeah. Um, it's almost like this song kind of makes a lot of this worth it to me. Yeah, that's the movie. A uh, little 
Yeah. All right. Well, the real film, Jack. If you could make one change in this movie, (laughs) what would it be? Oh, boy. Marco, you go first. Uh, I don't even know how to to pull it apart to be honest with you it's such I, I in in certain ways this movie feels like a hodgepodge to me and like the the foreshadowing is so obvious foreshadowing so i don't even know how you start pulling apart the threads to to tie them into something more simple and, and cohesive i don't know kayla i'm having a hard time because i think part of me can justify some of the things you could maybe pull those threads out like Laura's dad dying, definitely a plot device. Mm-hmm. Does it does it work for this movie? Yes. Was it, you know, maybe not so much as a trope back then, 21 years ago? Probably. But Laura has to be a real character, I think, for it to be not a plot device. Exactly. It's, instead of her getting fridged, it's almost like, you know, her dad had to bite it so that Rob could progress his character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, maybe... I would like to see maybe more of Rob acknowledging how he affected Penny. <laughs> you know, we kind of fuck things up for her. Maybe more uh, Marie DeSalle. Just really liked her. That's yeah. all I got. I don't really have a make one change. I know it's kind of a cop out on me, but. <laughs> all right. Well, my, mine is very simple. It's just, I would give Rob a different haircut. I just, his hair kind of bothered me through this whole movie. <laughs> what kind of haircut would you give him? I, I guess just the gross point blank hair. I don't know. I just the center part. is I don't know. For whatever reason, I was just like, it, it looks like it's like that's not your normal haircut. That's like a, a weird I'm a record store owner. Haircut. It's not it's not quite like the Billy Loomis, though. It's it's its own thing. And it's yeah, it's weird and different. Let me be real. A guy with a center part to me says, I can't take you seriously. Mm. What if he has a Steven Seagal ponytail? Like, would you say that to Steven Seagal? As a center part, uh, Steven Seagal has a lot more things that I can't take seriously. <laughs> but a guy with a center part, it's like, how sad are you? Like, I mean, he's like a sad bastard haircut. Is what he's got. Well, it does fit his uh, his role pretty well. Then he was kind of a sad bastard throughout most of this. How is a sad bastard getting a Marie DeSalle? Because sad bastard can fucking work. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's he's getting her. It's her deciding she wants to fuck this guy for the night and he he That's thinks exactly he, that he's thought. like pulled something off but he he hasn't really it's yeah she was really Still, planning the whole she made thing the decision the after 10 seconds after meeting him Mike, Mike, yeah let me reframe this how is he the one that she picked there's jack black right there i feel okay. like barry jive in the uptown five is like the move he uses on ray to sal that night and they're together forever Maybe, maybe that night, but I feel like, you know, um, at her performance, Barry was just maybe a little bit too over eager. Rob played it cool. And I think that's why she clocked him for that. And he's, I he's wanted more Cusack, this you know? energy. I wanted I mean, this energy yeah. from, Bear, from, uh, from Jack Black in the holiday. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. He was <laughs> a good guy in the holiday, but he was kind of boring. I mean... Still better than it was. It Jude Law in that yeah. movie. Jude Law is brimming of sexual energy. I mean, creepy sexual energy. Like I, again, I just I just rewatched Closer, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't see it. Like I no, but just, go back and watch The Holiday. It's like there's a there's a moment. There's several moments in that movie where you're like, I would like to just sit in the corner and watch him and Cameron Diaz fuck. Are you sure it's not more on Cameron Diaz than it is on him? I I, I thought Cameron Diaz was really miscast in that movie personally. 
he's he's pretty hot as fuck in that movie. Mm-hmm. Now he's a creep as and a half in closer. Like I don't know, like how Clive like, Owen somehow, doesn't creep at all. Yeah, somehow Larry comes off better in that. Yeah. Like you, you know, have you ever seen a human heart? <laughs> Looks like a fist wrapped in blood. Wrapped in blood. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm a fucking caveman. All right. Yeah, you yeah, think he'd be the worst of two. But, what is yeah. our uh, best and worst pieces of IMDb trivia here? It's it's Tim Robbins, right? Yeah, it's the thing where apparently said he took the role <laughs> for High Fidelity and for Anchorman because they promised to make custom wigs that he could wear and that he could keep them later. And he still yeah. wears them as Halloween costumes. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> um. Let's see the one. I have a couple other ones. We went over some already, like the Reservoir Dogs, but um, the first and final song that Rob listens to in the movie, So You're Gonna Miss Me, and I believe they're also the opening and closing track of their respective albums. I thought that was pretty pretty cool. I actually have the CD soundtrack of this album, which I've, the soundtrack I've been listening to recently. I feel like uh, if I ever get this, soundtrack on vinyl it'll be the end of my vinyl Hmm. like i will never buy another vinyl record after that because this is like the top of it um i just love that love in the time of cholera by um the guy who wrote 100 years of solitude and i've been drinking so i can't remember is the MacGuffin in serendipity like one year later um which is not a bad movie but it's a fucking bizarre movie and the, the romantic comedy genre. Which movie was it again? Serendipity. It's like Catherine oh. Zeta-Jones. Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah. Kate Beckinsale. That's yeah. right. It's like, it's basically like, it's the, it's the before sunrise thing where let's not, sh- like, like not share like actual contact info. If this fucking book that I wrote my phone number in ever makes its way back to you, then we'll get together. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, that type of like romanticism was so it kind of carried on from the nineties. Like it was very much a nineties thing and it kind of carried on to those early aughts. Like, I don't know if that would work today, not just because it's a book and most people are online now, but just that sort of, um, I guess, optimistic romanticism. Speaking of that era, let's have the uh, recasting conversation, but first track eight, I hope this isn't too basic for you, Marco. I mean, this is a little Mm. too mainstream, but uh, fear of sleep Mm. by the strokes. Yeah. Are you just like like no sketch. mixtape should have an artist that you've heard of on it? Is that kind of how you roll? I'm just saying all of these artists are basically ones we've heard of before. Of, of course they are because we all share the same taste in music. Like I, I don't know what you're expecting. We don't we don't all share okay. the same taste. In music. Okay, that's the beauty of this thing. Let's hear your mixtape. Yeah, you have yet to share any of yours that we may have. We're way heard. past track five, Kayla. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> But recasting. So I feel like, Marco, you're expressing some displeasure at, uh, I think it's Ivan. The sad thing is. Jelji, or I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Who would you have cast? Elgin, I think. I saw a lot of reviews that were like, this is like the beginning of her dominance of like the American acting industry. And IMDb is just like, well, she went back to to Denmark right after this. Yeah. This Um, is her first role. The sad thing is, I don't know who you cast in this time period because it's, it's, not a a, a super in depth role. She's almost not even a person. I feel she's like, like kind of an ideal. So I mean, like I, I was jokingly saying to myself in my brain, like, oh, just pull Heather Graham, Natasha Gregson's Wagner's like co-star from Two Guys and a Girl. But like, it, it almost could be any promising actress who could like put some gravitas on this. But do you think her? Um, I don't know. I guess 
European affect has anything to do with it. Like her, her coolness about Rob's bullshit. Like when he's getting all, you know, over animated and stuff and she's just kind of laughing at him like yeah you, you have your little freak out but i know this is you know the better thing and i mean you couldn't cast stuff. like julia roberts in this or something that it would have to be a different no. movie you know no um well which is why like don Cheadle was offered the lewis role and turned it down because there's no role there um yeah there's like, like, who would you more of a role cast this, that we though. can't give a i think her european thing though lends a certain confidence to laura and I appreciate that about her. Like I went and looked She's at like the, like all the like top films from uh, like top 100 films from 2000. Like this was kind of a weird period, I think, for mm-hmm. like I think a lot of the kind of rom-com state mainstays like Meg Ryan and Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Roberts. Like they'd all they're all kind of like a different place in their career by now. And a lot they're of all established. Yeah. And like a lot of like teen movies are really big things. You had like a lot of young starlets, but like, like who would you have cast like who showed up in a movie in the year 2000 have been like Gwyneth Paltrow, Cameron Diaz, um, maybe Reese Witherspoon. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's actually like, I I don't know if any of them really would have worked for it either. It would have been like Reese Witherspoon. Scarjo was doing like what, like ghost world. She was too young. She was like, yeah, she she was was like 16 years old or something. then. Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was have been a lawyer at that point? What was the Rolling Stone article where they had the equation for the island, which is like the way this works is like whatever the whatever the the main actor is, you cast the actress who's ten years younger. Mm, I don't recall, but it sounds right. It's like that was like the formula for the island with Ewan McGregor. Um, I don't know. I, I beef up the role, then let's talk about recasting. And also, um. You're mentioning like the weirdness of the 2000 movie. Like, remember how good 1990, what, 1999 yeah, was for movies? Like, for movies? That's a hard fucking act to follow. Like, yeah. it's a new millennium too. Like, what do you come up, come up with after that? Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, for this role with very little backstory, very, you know, not a lot of agency, you know, she did fine. It, it's like, I want to pull actors from those 1999 movies. Like Julianne Moore is in this role, but it's like, she wouldn't take this role. It's, there's nothing here for her. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe have some, maybe the make one changes, have somebody come in who would have reworked the script a little bit and been like, Hey, can we get a little bit more of Laura's perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is so much like it's Rob's movie. He's narrating it. He's talking to the camera the whole time. So it would, yeah. it would be a fundamentally different movie. I think if you beef that That's role true. up. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is why. It works as a TV show idea to, to a certain extent. It's like you get to expand upon it and kind of play with that, you know. True. I do need to watch the TV show. I haven't checked it out really yet. I felt like the first three minutes. But. I watched the first few episodes and I it was enough to say maybe the Hulu shouldn't have canceled it. I didn't know it was canceled. Shit. Yeah, it was canceled after season one. I guess we're never getting yeah. another Veronica Mars season either. Really? apparently i guess the fans didn't like season four i i loved it but i did too and i i really loved what uh rob thomas said his whole his whole thing spoilers but you know when are you gonna have her and her partner doing stuff forever like yeah. it's her her fucking story again i got an argument with somebody on twitter that the relationship that matters to me is between her and keith absolutely um you could you could feel through the whole series that like one of these two is going to die. <laughs> it's like, well, the, it's a question of which one from episode yeah. one, they were letting you know that her relationship with Logan was not entirely healthy. 
which I love, no. though. It was so fucked up. I was like, I'm into this. And just their chemistry yeah. was was or very just palpable. Like beating somebody and- up and just being like, or like punching the wall and be like, is this what you want? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and, like, I knew it was coming when they kind of came to like a um a full circle mm-hmm. for him. Oh, he, like, yeah. Oh, he's, you'd finally. You may as well just put him in a wide shot. And I, I know it's going to be him. He'd achieved, <laughs> you know, like, it's the head, you yeah. know, epiphany realization like self-actualization it's like uh-oh <laughs> yep oh <laughs> bad luck for you won't survive on this show hey yeah all right well is this movie better than i am number four yes absolutely uh, i don't know if, if you came up with a, a movie to compare it to kayla for for our middle movie you had a middle movie last time right yeah i used a uh, wine country by the amy polar movie yeah which I just literally watched this last week, like it's literally good, two right? days ago. It's way better than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, again, <laughs> the gospel of Paula Pell. Oh my God. When the, her line reading of, uh, I want to meet a nice girl, take her back home and have a real spirit at 69. <laughs> she, she, um, she was so fucking great in that movie. Like just the whole energy, the whole cast, everything was really great. I mean, it's not, you know, maybe top blockbuster winning awards, but it was fucking great. Did you? Was that literally the movie you had last time? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy to me because I, like I said, I just watched this like two nights ago. All right, wonderful. It was great. And yes, um, it is better. Is it better? That. I don't. I don't know. They're very two different, two different, very movies. Or two. I've had some drinks. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because like a lot of the movies we've gone over so far, they're so they hold such a place in my nostalgic heart that it's hard to. I don't know. Not look at them critically. I can definitely do that, but I don't know. I, I think there are certain movies in the nineties that I can't do make one change on because they exist. They're solid. They're like the house I grew up in. Whereas like movies from the eighties or movies that came after I can like, I can tear those apart. Like green Knight could have been a great fucking movie. Like there's, there's so many elements you could rip apart and remix and make that into like a fucking masterpiece. But this movie, I won't even know where to begin to start pulling it apart. Like it's, it just exists for me. Is it better than Jurassic Park? If they're such different movies. It almost seems absurd to compare I them. Mean, I what if I told Jurassic you Jurassic Park in? Do we need a new movie? Five years. Do we need a new movie instead of Jurassic Park? The Velociraptor I mean, hasn't me. eaten. I haven't seen yet. it in twenty-five years. Is it better than Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? Oh, come on, that'd be at the bottom, not the top. <laughs> Is it better than Boogie Nights? No. Oh, I would probably say no. No. I mean, hello. Yeah. It was on a job application. Dimple <laughs> Records was my top five. I mean, the John Cusack of it all. It's hard to hard to say this, no, but yeah, Boogie Nights was just so. I'll fuck on my own time. Can't fuck. So forever. fucking well done. This movie is like my top 50. Boogie Nights is my top five. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, what are we doing next week, Marco? We are doing So I Married an Axe Murderer. Ooh. Nice. I'm Which is going to need to go find that movie somewhere. <laughs> it's on Hulu. Is I, it, I don't have Hulu. But... Isn't there like a free version of Hulu? I don't know. I have to watch ads, though. I'll give you my login. There you go. Give you your login. There you go. Um, I'm the keeper of all streaming services <laughs> for those near me. Do you What's have Paramount up with Peacock? Plus? Is that is that real? Yeah, is Paramount Plus real? 
I don't have that one. Peacock is real. That's where I watch Brave New World, or at least I watch the one episode of it, and then I download the rest. Mm. That's, a, that's a rousing <laughs> phrase. <laughs> no, I, I watched one other show on Peacock. I think it was like some weird British import. It was about like their weird surveillance state, and it was like it was about this guy who'd like he had this like hotshot oh. lawyer who got him off of some some kind of like is war Schumer crime. No, no, no. It was it was like he was being accused of some war crime, of like killing someone in Afghanistan. And they're like, actually, like the videos, like the sound and the audio are out of sync. Here it is, like properly. And he's like acquitted. Oh. And then it's like and his lawyer is like this, like, you know, attractive woman. And like so they like celebrate his acquittal that night. And then like later there's like surveillance footage of him basically like like beating her up and putting her in a car and like murdering her. And but he's just like, that wasn't me. And so it was like some sort of thriller. Like, was he actually framed or did he really do it? I didn't watch the rest of it. Oh. So I don't know if he's guilty or not. But wow. it's all about like the weird kind of constant like surveillance state stuff that London has and like how like everything mm-hmm. is like captured on film. Yeah, the CCTV. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you had the British like, import. I'd definitely watch that. That's like when they're like rollout shows though, right? I don't know. It was just, it was right when Peacock first launched. I like saw that. So, and, like, watched well, an episode, okay. Yeah. okay. Huh. But I don't know. All right. I support Peacock just for having its own name and not just being like a plus or a max or something like that. Cause that, that kind of annoys yeah. me. And they did pick up um, AP bio. It got canceled and they picked it up on there. Do you want to check it out? I, I do enjoy that show. It's funny. The Heather character is great. Everyone proceed to shut up now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back to talk about So I Married an Axe Murder, just the ultimate 90s movie next week. It's going to be a, a weird one because it's much more overtly a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Comedies are also a little tricky on pause, but we'll, we'll do it again. And possibly more quoting of lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all took turns kissing the- in the bitches' ocular cavities. You know, the martial or the Scottish have a martial arts. It's called fuck you. It's a lot of kicking people when they're down. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, Kayla. Always a pleasure. Of course. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.